Do you want to listen to three hours of smart people talking about AI? Welcome to Tech First. My name is John Kutz here, and yeah, I just did a Twitter space a week or so ago with a bunch of very smart people about AI, generative AI, all kinds of AI, robotics, everything, cars, Teslas, and other self-driving cars. And you know what? I think it went about three hours. I didn't attend for the whole session. I was on for about 90 minutes or so. But I thought, you know what? I'll ask, can I share this on Tech First? And the answer was yes. So here it is. We're, we have a bunch of really smart people on the call. We've got Robert Scoble, who you know him probably as at Scobleizer on Twitter. He's got his finger on the pulse of a lot of things tech. We've got Tiarn Hawkins, who's director of AI for We Localize. We've got AJ Junija, who's the founder and CEO of Speak With Me. We've got Adrienne Ashley. She's the founder of Wow Is Me and a bunch of other things. We've got Chris Nakayama, spokesperson for Numa. We've got Marcus Weller. We've got Brian Talibi from Ahura AI. And a bunch of other people. Martine Paris, who is a great columnist, by the way, has written for Forbes, has written for Fortune, has written for a bunch of different organizations. John Swartz from the Dow Jones. We've also got John Biggs. He's a longtime reporter, used to be at TechCrunch. And Ben Parr. If you know Ben Parr, uh, he's building Octane AI right now, but he's been a longtime journalist as well. Anyways, it's a great session. I think you'll enjoy it. It's audio only, not on YouTube. Have fun. That's awesome. Let me get this thing started. Yeah, go for it. And um, set a tone to it because there's a lot of people who are going to be joining us on this conversation. And God knows how long it'll go. We're aiming at an hour. With this crowd, this could go on. <laughs> we won't stop if it's interesting and people are sticking around, right? We'll stop for probably two hours. But, um, AJ uh, drove to me when I worked at Microsoft 15 years ago, and he had a car that worked like Ritter. And you, you could talk to the car and do all sorts of stuff, like play music and, and all that. Let me see if I can pull AJ up here. 18 years, actually. Yeah, it's not crazy. I have a lot of like, wow, I'm shocked they don't have gray hair yet. But, and you went to Carnegie Mellon, so you went through the robotics program there. So you're that that gives you a certain check, right? And um, let me yeah. tell everybody else up here. Certainly, check. We're flogging the company. I don't want to look at it. And so you've been you've also been building AI for for auto industry for for a while. And you told me about your own auto tagging system before Tesla announced that they had an auto tagging system. So. You're always ahead of even Elon Musk. So I take what you say uh, very seriously, right? And there's Thank a group you. of people wow. who are going to be joining us on this conversation. Um, that like Ben Parr's built an AI chat company. Built has been doing that for a long time. So we, I remember Adrian, Ben. Adrian is up here, and she she comes at the world very differently than uh, we do. What I'm the the thing I wanted to say is. It is clear to Irina and I that uh, this new level of AI, the large language model stuff we're seeing with chat GPT style things, along with the diffusion model, like what we're seeing with stability AI and stable diffusion, are leading us to a place that has 
tremendous change for human beings. And it was laid out like this for me by an artist the other day who has talked to AI art engines, built many thousands of images, and then combined them in a way that he can tell stories to me while changing the images in front of me, like real fast, like five a second if he wanted to, or one a second, right? And um, he uses it to tell stories and he showed me what uh, he is going to do for the, for the Apple holiday when that becomes true. Right. And it's stunning. The amount of visual information he's getting back from the art engines is just stunning. It just it completely flipped me. And we're seeing all sorts of new AI innovations that are leading to even better experiences than what he can build with uh, today's neural radiance fields and with these new AIs. Um, that you can talk to like Midjourney and Stable Diffusion and Dali. Um, and while that's going on, Irina and I are starting, I mean, there's paid, there's websites that have uh, a thousand AI tools already, right? And most people haven't even tried one, right? So there's a, a gap between the leading edge of people who are using AI, other kinds of AIs to do things like build websites for them, take notes in meetings, uh, do customer service emails, right? All, all sorts of different AI. Right, language models for them. Bingo. Right? There's a whole bunch of things coming in. And that's where I really keyed in on Apple's AI Mesh was an entrepreneur who built a company called Supernormal that takes notes on meetings is uh, building that for the uh, M1 chip. And he said, Apple has been hiding a lot of power from the developers. They've been turning it on. He, he said, Apple has throttled the M1 chip so that developers who are trying to do AI stuff aren't getting the full power. And that has just started changing. Apple announced that they're working with stable diffusion to get their model working in the M1. Right, and that leads you to building a, a mental model of a whole raft of things that are going to change in our homes. But let's go back out to the car, because my car is self-driving-ish, right? I still got to watch it because it behaves like a robot and makes mistakes, right? But what's interesting to me is when I talk to AI pioneers, and this is where I want to get you involved, AJ, and then jump into other speakers as, as we move this conversation along is AI does improve and it fixes mistakes, right? The, the AI that beat the human at the game of Go um, uh, started really shitty. It couldn't build, beat a child when it first started, right? But it kept fixing its mistakes. And over time, it got to the place where it beats the, hum, the best human at the game of Go. And we're just starting to see that in the auto industry where the AI is now starting to learn at a place where we can start seeing the mistakes go away. And th then we can make a prediction of when it'll be done. It, is, is this how you look at the world, AJ? Because you're building it. And I, I can only understand AI from looking at what it does. I, I don't understand the math underneath and I don't understand what you do. So that's why I have you on, to keep me honest. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, so Robert's, in addition to the other tiger, I wrote a data generator. I've been doing generative AI for like six, seven years now. Um, started doing it in 2016. 
And I kept it a secret because I didn't want the whole world to catch us. And it looks like there were a few other researchers doing that too, which is great. And not surprised to see OpenAI folks because um, of a certain coffee shop conversation I had with them in 2015 before they started it. And, um, you know, so, so the AI improving itself is absolutely a thing that's going to be, I mean, I, we implemented that just three years ago. That's why I don't have to do much work for Steak with me these days. Um, if you build your AI right, using a data generator, a simulator, an automatic verification tool, and you're collecting the data of where your models are not performing well, you could build a system that self-improves, right? And builds its own models over and over again and validates its own models over and over again as the data is coming in. And there'll be a minimal amount of human supervision for that to make sure that if you want to do additional verification, you probably could get away without the human in the loop for a lot of it too. And you're saying that AI is going to start learning on its own without very much human interaction, just from watching our behavior, right? And we can see this in our car, you know, when my car makes a mistake, like it, um, you know, behaves too roughly, it behaves like a robot. I grab the steering wheel, right? And that tells the AI, hey, there's a mistake here that was made. And then it can be evaluated by the AI up in the sky. Is that what you're saying? Um, I, because I believe you're right, <laughs> right? Yeah, I think that, that about that's there. about, like, there's work to, you have to build the right tools and you have to think about it in the right way, but yes, the only thing is it's not improving technically in real time. It's improving at a periodic interval that you as the designer of that set, I could decide, you know. If we were doing model updates every week, but technically we could do them every five minutes if we wanted to. It just costs you money on NVIDIA time, right? Yeah. And there's a little bit of time where, you know, the new models are getting loaded and the old models are getting unloaded. And so technically during that time, there's a little tiny bit of downtime for like a few seconds, maybe a fraction of a second. So we have to be... But if you have enough redundancy, right, on your servers, you can cascade that and those no one would even notice if, say, you have triple redundancy because you have to do that for any reason. You just do one server at a time. So Vinod Kosla a couple of weeks ago at breakfast said that ChatGPT's errors will be uh, done away with in within a year. Now, AI people I met at Stanford's AI party on Saturday said we're yeah. very skeptical of that, right? It might be two years. I was thinking three years. Okay. So the validator, so, so ChatGPT is also the best bullshitter on the internet, right? I mean, it, it will tell you things that it insists are true, but you, if you, depending on how well you know your history or whatever the topic is that you're, you're asking about, you might even believe it's true unless you actually do have knowledge other than that. So. The human validation of, what, what is that, 200 years of, of human literature that was put into that, 
um, and internet literature, um, to verify that's, a, that's quite a chore. And, um, they're going to have to write that validator. However, the scale at which they can write the validator as well as make a sort of adversarial chat GPT that, that, that catches everyone's flags when they have a million plus users, they could do it fairly quickly. I still think it's more like three years than one year, but I, I think you'll see iterative improvements every, however often they want to update it. Um, these and certain verticals of data are going to receive more attention than others. If only because people are asking about them. Um, I believe there's also some folks that have jailbroken chat GPT. So the, um, I'm going to be politically incorrect about saying this word, but if there's another word, please correct me. You could just say um, word. We all know what you're talking about or something like that. There, there's some aspects of chat GPT that one could say are overly politically correct. Yes. Uh, it'll give and, you a nice answer about uh, Biden and won't, won't answer at all about Trump. Right. We've seen those, uh, examples on Twitter recently. And I would think someone is jailbreaking it through basically hacking it to not do that last step of validation and guard. Right. And then catching that answer so that it would give you the answer of something about Trump, for example. Yeah. Um, because it clearly has that data and then it's. They put some sort of validator there. And I, I mean, hey, I completely understand them. You know, they're releasing this product to the wild. They've got to make sure they don't get deplatformed. Right. Um, I was able to get it by asking a particular way. I was able to give it, to get it to give me uh, NIH research peer reviewed studies on the topic that I wanted, which would normally have been banned. But I had to ask yes. it very particularly. Yeah, so that probably is giving around its filtering or validation layer. Yeah, you um, can tell it, you, you can do some tricks like uh, it, it, if you ask it to make a pipe bomb, the church lady will show up and say, no, 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 we don't teach you to do that. But if you ask it to put it in a script, right, a movie script, then it'll write the scene for you and, and, and do it that way. You, you have to come at it a different way to try to get around the church lady, I call her. It. You call it the church lady. That's a yeah, I used to sit next to church ladies in church, and they would wag your their finger if you were, you know, a little. No. Right. I mean, <laughs> hey, if I was thirteen years old, I'd be having a field day with making it go off the rails. And you know, I mean, you could do it at our age too. Right, I mean, someone could make put a text-to-speech engine on the other end of chat GPT and just have some fun and make a phone app with that and like, you know, try to take it off the rails and, yes, and bring it to parties. So let, let me try to get some other people involved here because there's a whole bunch of speakers that, that have joined us. Yep. Adrian and Ben um, and Mark, I mean, a whole bunch of don't need to waste time reading. Um, as you come up, maybe explain, uh, introduce yourself and explain uh, what you've been doing with AI or what your point of view is about AI, because there's some people here don't build AIs, but I invited to because of their point of view. Right. So um, like Ben Parr, 
Ben, you've been building chat systems for a long time, but these were corporate corporate systems that you type to, right? And we're about to move into a world where we have open uh, open AI's whisper that understands our voice really well, doing soon coming soon virtual beings like you can talk to your Tesla as if it was a being and have a conversation with Ben. Is that sort of where you're seeing the world going, or you, or do you see a different? Uh, I think I think you you have underplayed where the path will eventually go. And so yeah, like the, when we started our company in 2016 and raised around from General Catalyst, a lot of the AI like we had to we we wanted to do the natural language interface. None of the technology worked though, so we had to do it kind of choose your own adventure style. And that was just a limitation of the technology at the time, and there was no way around it. Uh, now, of course, you can have a full conversation, and it like you could already do this with uh, verticalized chatbots powered by GPT 3.5 and areas like healthcare and mental health and parenting, and there's a couple others in legal. And so, like, there are more and more of those going. But like, that's like the like beginning phases. I expect uh, one that most every product that you use is going to be. Uh, AI conversational in some kind of way. It's going to have at least some element of it. Like it would be insane for any ESP not to integrate GPT 3.5 or something similar to it to suggest headline titles and to literally write first drafts of emails for you. That's already actually happening at least the title side by Clavio, the big uh, e-commerce ESP. But eventually at the consumer end, it should get to the point uh, where Everyone has essentially their own personalized companion. Like probably one of the greatest strengths of GPT 3.5 or ChatGPT in particular is its ability to use for brainstorming, like being able to brainstorm back and forth ideas. This is actually what I use it the, the most for, just to get ideas. Imagine it just sends you a message. Wait like, until you're sitting around a table and you have a group of different AIs you're talking to. Like you'll have Snoop Dogg sit in with you and. Uh, Hillary Clinton's over there and uh, Donald Trump's over here, right? And they're all talking to you from their point of view. Oh, God. With their voices, with their imagery, right? Oh, oh God. Yeah. Oh, my. Actually, like like in a business corporate end, actually, this is a very good one. I hadn't thought too hard about that one. But like, imagine the corporate end, you have like all the individual buyer personas. Like, and this is actually one that I know people are working on, like the, the buyer persona for a specific uh, like type of persona. Or like, yeah, you could have like, a virtual version of like your executive team debating things, coming back to you with decisions. That sounds crazy. It's not crazy anymore. It's not that far off. You just have to give it enough inputs. Now, of course, the big limitation is that uh, GPT 3.5 and all the large language models are not uh, are not content models that understand context. They're predictive models. They're going to predict what the next most likely word should be after a series of words have been inputted into it. And so it'll always pick the most common answer. And it's going to quote unquote, think out right. of the box. It's designed not to, unless and you can tell it. Like I, I had a tweet this morning. I think you saw on, if you had the word uncommon in like any of your prompts, it's going to generate a better response because it's going to predict all our uncommon thing, but still it cannot think right. out of the box because it does not think. And, and here's an example. If you ask chat GPT, what is the history of Silicon Valley? How did Silicon Valley start? It gives you the usual Stanford answer, which is Leland Stanford University started it uh, by by getting HP to start, right? And HP really was the birthplace. That's not true if you really look at the history. But it it's sort of what the common history is. 
But if you ask it, what about the Chinese? The answer changes because there's a different answer uh, about where the wealth came from for Leland Stanford to start his university. And it came from the Transcontinental Railroad, which was going through the Sierra Nevadas. And he hired a lot of Chinese to dig the tunnels. And a lot of them died there. Thousand, more than thousand, right? They don't like to tell that history. And it's not told that way very often. So the AI doesn't tell it either, right? It's biased. It's biased because it, you're biased. Well, it, it's biased by the amount of time someone, like, the way people say things. So, like, beforehand, we're having the conversation about, like, you know, it's going to say nice things about Biden, but less nice things about Trump. But that's not because OpenAI as a company is biased, honestly. It's because the internet is biased in general right. against, against Trump. The phrases and words that the vast majority of the internet used to describe him over the last four years have been less than kind uh, for reasons. We won't get into those. But the result is like it's going to say like, oh, anything I generate is going to be more offensive. Therefore, I can't generate it. That is just the technology and not them trying to like censor or ban something. And look, you know, you do have to have guardrails. Yeah. Don't want someone like, you know, using AI to like write and get the instructions for how to make a nuclear bomb. But also everyone can jailbreak everything. My, we're, my we're dad built those and he told me how to build them. So I already knew the answer to that. That's why I was actually asking it those kinds of questions, see what it would answer, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> have, have you have you asked it? Nice uh, guys. Come on in. Meet and we should in, introduce some other people. Mart Martin. Uh, Martin. <laughs> um, you're, give us, you're, you're doing this for uh, Forbes, right? You're a yeah. tech and trends reporter. Yeah. How, how do you see in this world and, so, <laughs> and what do you see coming at, at us? Yeah. I just finished up, uh, with a year tour at Bloomberg and I had come back into Forbes on my AI column. And I think it was my first article. I, um, I asked ChatGPT to tell me a bedtime story about Elon Musk, Donald Trump, and something else, maybe China. And boy, did it say nice things about Donald Trump. Donald Trump was a king. Um, no matter how I asked the question, Elon Musk was always the hero of the story. Uh, <laughs> China was the enemy. Um, and it really depends on the data it's trained on, right? Um, and so, uh, but it was very funny how biased it was towards Elon Musk because, of course, Elon Musk was one of the founders of OpenAI when they were a foundation. They all contributed like the billion dollars to get, to get started. So, um, yeah, I, it is very biased. I'd be curious to hear if anybody in the chat um, has asked ChatGPT a question about Donald Trump or Elon Musk and have gotten a negative response. Uh, I tried it many different ways. I actually published the transcript of my whole conversation with it. And every single time, Elon Musk was the hero and Donald uh, Trump was a friend. Odd. I'm sorry. I'm actually the AI. I'm, ru I'm running it behind the scenes. And that's sort of how I look at the world. So. <laughs> it got biased because of me, sir. <laughs> well, Austin, doesn't Elon Musk fund OpenAI, so he really has to be a hero here? It's, it's, to chat GPT's creation. It's, it's so, and it'll it's change because so the data is a year old, right? That built the model. If you, if you try to ask it about something that happened today or even three days ago, like the Turkey earthquake, it doesn't know a thing about it. I did. I asked it about Twitter. And again, he was triumphant in turning Twitter oh. around. And, and, and in this bedtime story, it told me, and it said, and in the end, tr Twitter was much better off. Something like that. No but, joking. Go, yeah. <laughs> that, that's, that's surprising for a couple of reasons. And it, again, 
It is not, in my opinion, because OpenAI is adding any level or bias to something. It is exactly what you were saying, Robert. It's that the sentiment for Elon was super positive until March of last year. And this AI model was trained to the end of 2021. Therefore, it doesn't have all the negative sentiment about him. Also, if you ask him to write a children's story, very few children's stories end in darkness and pain, you know? If you asked it to write, the, you know, Elon, <laughs> like, as an idiot, maybe it would work. I Have you know. read any fairy tales? Yeah. <laughs> and, and also, China's arrival, and I didn't give that to ChatGPT. Now, of course, obviously, it's, it's what it's trained on, and there must be some more current data, because I also asked it about the war, and it was able to answer questions about what Russia was doing in Ukraine. So yes. there mu it, 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 it must be brought up to date somewhat, the data set, yes. and it even gives on a qualification. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Right. I, I, I am excited on up... Bing, uh, and that because that's really <laughs> up to date. Right. Yeah, and, it's, and I that's, I retweeted that's somebody. Uh, sorry about what talking over you. I retweeted somebody about Bing, and it's getting really good reviews. It's better than ChatGPT in a lot of ways. So. Wow, and it doesn't go offline as often. That's my Finally, one problem. Finally, Google will have some competition. Can you imagine that? Wow. You know. I, I asked that question. I was like, are we, are you really going to give up Google for Bing? And I think Microsoft I've has already given it there. up for DuckDuckGo. I know okay. the people that have already given it up. Yes. I think the people that are lazy like me, no, I'm still using Google for almost everything. But of course, if, if you're I lazy, million... you might give it up for Bing if Bing gives you better answers that are more complete and right off. The well, the problem is, is I don't have Bing. I don't have yeah. easy access to Bing. But... I'd have to switch over. And I think. No, you, you wouldn't. Hold on a second. You wouldn't. It's I went just your this... search engine, not the browser. I went through this. Hold on a second. I went through this with my dad. My dad's a PhD. He built military satellites and all sorts of weird stuff. He's very brilliant. When Google came out, I was railing on him for two years to get him to switch from Alta Vista to Google. <laughs> People do not change that fast. And so you're right that the early adopters, we've already moved, right? But um, most people are not early adopters. They watch us go for a while before they even think about touching it. None of my family is using AI and I'm railing on all of them. Hey, you get on ChatGPT or you get on Ping, right? I mean, well, I we'll chat GPT them to Bing. We will because ChatGPT goes down. It's overburdened. They're going to charge twenty dollars a month, and all you have to say is, "Bing is just like ChatGPT, but better, and it never goes down." Boom! And There's how 100 fast million did people, and the, get huge? Uh, Absolutely huge. Three days. That's all it's going to take because people get it now, and they're like, "Oh my god, an AI that can help me write my sentence." You should see it rewrite my dating profile. Damn. <laughs> well, I, 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 I had it give me different <laughs> different versions. How long? I was really impressed. Oh, all sorry. Of you guys can switch from Yahoo search back in the day to Google. How long did it take for you guys to search Alta Vista? It took me to one hour because they came to my office when I was working at a computer programming <laughs> magazine and pitched me. And I asked, they asked me, tell, tell it your favorite search, which was Microsoft NetMeeting. I had a website about NetMeeting, and um, Alta Vista had a porn site as the second result <laughs> after mine. And had my friend, my friend uh, Brian Sullivan, who's still on Twitter, um, had the third site. And Google got rid of the porn. I asked, "How did you get rid of the porn?" I was instantly sold on the first search because well, so they that's got rid my of the point porn. exactly. Though that's my point exactly. I think you guys overestimate how hard it is for people to search 
or to change rather, once change. technology yes. provides a significant amount of value, people yeah. will switch overnight. They don't really have that much loyalty to Google. The real yep. question is whether Google will be able to provide their AI that they already have. They've been working on this stuff for years. They've just been using their own LLMs internally. And so they're transitioning that over to allow other people to have access to it, to it as well, just because they've been making so much money without providing it to the population. So the question is, will they be able to respond? I think well, also they're there's, there's another question about first mover here. Microsoft was very smart. It needed to move fast because it has a very small percentage of parts of the market. And the service that it's offering, like to salespeople, to actually be able to respond to an email with a written sales proposal, with a written deck, that blew my mind because that saves 40 hours or more per call for a salesperson. But on the other hand, for Google... I, I think that they once they start rolling it out, once it's in Google Docs, once it's in Google Mail, once it's in search, um, nobody's going to remember Microsoft, even if Microsoft is incrementally better. Um, Google needs to move quicker and get a better product out. But I don't think that there is this $100 billion threat to the company. Um, that's just my personal opinion. Now, I, I woke up at 530 in the morning. I'm here in California, and I watched that stupid um, presentation that they had from live from Paris. <laughs> and I couldn't have been more disappointed. I was just, I was like, oh, wow, this is so, well, no, it's not. Who is this guy? I never heard of him. This is not their CEO. This is not even anybody I've ever heard of from Google talking about something so important. And like Bard was the third thing mentioned for two seconds. And I'm like, have they made a mistake? What is this? And um, I wanted to turn it off, but I kept hanging on thinking they're going to give me something um, and it was worthless. So I was happy for the market reaction just to teach them a lesson. You got to get your act it, together, guys. This how is not, to launch not things cool. in this world is really important. Facebook launched an AI that was used, used on, trained on uh, academic papers, right? It was for academic researchers and they launched it arrogantly and they, and they, and it had mistakes because it, it's made with this new diffusion AI or this new large language model AI that's sort of like chat, chat GPT. And they they really didn't come at the market properly. If they'd said there's a lot of inaccuracies in here, we're just, you know, providing this as like a, a fun thing to play with, with the smartest data set, they would have had a very different reaction. If they had come to the market humbly, they would have had a very different reaction. Facebook has the worst stress scores of consumers, right? And this is what I study with with Irina is, is consumer behavior into paradigm shifts. And this company is just not set up for it, right? So, yeah, I mean, Robert. there was a, oh, I'm sorry. I, Robert, I just have a question for you. Uh, I, I, questions for all of you. You know, Google just put $300 million into a startup that has a um, Claude, a Claude um, bot. And I wanted to know if anybody's taken a look at that and if that's something that's going to help Bard get better? Do you think it's integrated into Bard? And have you looked at Claude at all? I have not. I, I've been reading a little bit, but I'm, I'm not a researcher to keep up on all the technologies. It's just flowing so fast at me lately. There's so much. Yeah. Anybody's thoughts on Claude? No. Am I the only <laughs> one that knows Claude? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Explain. Explain where we would find it at least so we can go and do some research and then maybe pull up somebody in the audience who knows about it. Oh, it's the can company. They... Me and say you do. <laughs> the company they just um, put 300 million in, you know, the one that had that, um, the one that had a billion dollar valuation from FTX. Um, I, hear uh, I think it's Anthropologic. 
Yeah, I was talking to one of their researchers on Saturday night. I didn't even know what 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 company you were talking about. Anthropology. Yeah. Uh, how do you say that? Yeah, I'm going to give you the exact pronunciation. Wait, it's yeah. uh, it is. But they just got invested in by Google, and they're yeah. building a chat okay. GPT competitor, right? Yeah, it's anthro it's anthropic, and anthropic. It was founded in 2021 by OpenAI researchers. They have a chatbot, a smart chatbot called Claude. Um, and they, they, their series B rounds, unfortunately, was led by Sam Bankman-Fried. So this was a healthy infusion of cash of $300 million. They're based here in San Francisco. Um, so I just want to know if anybody had thoughts on that or on thoughts of, like, you know, the competitors like Jasper AI or you. Well, the, yeah. the two things. One, Quad is a little bit more focused on, like, the safety side. That's always what they kind of been focused on. And so, like, that's something that Google can integrate. I doubt they're integrating it now. They probably haven't done that much yet um that's my guess uh and then in terms of jasper god jasper's u.s traffic dropped by half after the uh uh after chat gpt came out and i think they'll recover a little bit they have enough money and time to like make some more things proprietary but this is like a classic like you know it was just too close to what the outputs come of like open ai were and it didn't have enough of its own data set to really make it stand out against chat gpt that's a product that is free and that's you know that's it sucked for it, them and i'm curious what they'll talk about they have a conference next tuesday i'm curious what they're going to talk about there yeah i'm going to cover so that definitely so what's interesting to me so, so what's interesting to me is the next generation right i mean we're kind of in this golden age of ai machine learning all that stuff right now it's all happening in the cloud and what's the next generation past that? We're super excited by what's happening here. But you know what? It's still on an order of mil a million times more expensive to run AI in the cloud than our own brains are capable of. So recently chatted with Gordon Wilson, the CEO of Rain AI. They're building a neuromorphic, they're building a digital brain, an artificial brain, literally neurons up, right? Using memristors and they're right now. This is a about, new semiconductor architecture that's called neuromorphic processors, right? Yeah, it's analog. It's not. It's not digital, right? And so when you first, when it first comes out, it's going to be sort of purpose built, two or three things. But our brains are analog; they're not digital, and yet they're very flexible and can be adopted to a million different things. So Jeff Hinton, um, who's a cognitive psycho, you know his name, right? I mean, he's got 200 peer-reviewed publications. He's sort of the godfather of deep learning. He's starting to talk about neuromorphic computing, analog computing, and he's talking about what he calls mortal computation, right? Taking the abilities that we're sort of seeing right now in super high-end, massively expensive, ChatGPT is running millions of dollars a day, right? To keep those server farms going, those GPUs, those CPUs. And doing that in a different purpose-built architecture that you could shrink it down to holding your hand, that you can shrink it down to put in a robot, that you can shrink it down to put in a pet, a digital pet, something like that. That's where it's really, really interesting because this mortal computation takes what we've done for four or five decades of computing history, which is your software always survives the death of the hardware, right? And says, actually, they're tightly integrated, tightly connected. And with a million times more efficiency at learning, at running, you can get actual intelligent behavior out of something that is small, that is not connected to the cloud full-time, that is not running on 
a massive server farm at, at AWS or, or Google or Microsoft or other places like that. And then you get something really interesting that you sort of delved into a little bit at the top, Robert, which is what if I get a robot? What if I get Optimus or something like that? And that is something that helps me around my house. That becomes, if it's analog, if it's geomorphic, that becomes individualized to me. That becomes something that has its, you could call it personality, if you wanted to call it personality. It's something that is different from every other Optimus that was sold because it learns and grows as it goes. Just like if you have a dog. It remembers what you call it, right? I mean, if you tell it, hey, I like pancakes, well, from now on, it knows to put that on your menu for breakfast. In the Absolutely. But that's pretty simple, right? Anything can do that. And you can do that in the cloud as well. But what if it starts to learn, you know what? Um, it, it starts to develop quirks and it has, yeah. what, what yeah. do we love about people? What do we love about pets? They're individuals. And you start talking about machines that have individual, individualization. Uh, you get very close to having something that can be, I mean, we have people who have companionships, relationships, even marriages with, um, sort of AIs that sit on their desk, right. Or, or chat models that they chat with, uh, imagine what it's going to get like when we have technology like this out there. This is what I wanted to talk with AJ about when, it, when we started talking about this show, uh, the founder of ways told me, uh, people are just patterns. We go to the same church. If you go to church, you go to the same school. If you go to school every, every day or every third day, right? You go to the same work, you go to the same grocery stores, you go to the same 13 restaurants usually, right? If you're outside of those 13 restaurants, it's a rare day for most people, right? And so if you start looking at patterns and you start thinking about this new AI that's coming, oh my God, some crazy things in soon that talk to us. That, do, that interact with us, that know us really deeply. In fact, Apple is looking at my face right now 10 times a second with a 3D sensor. Why is it doing <laughs> Right? You start thinking, because that, that's how I'm talking to this. You're Israelis. so beautiful, like, Robert. That's why. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Has it seen your face? <laughs> it's putting a data, <laughs> and it's probably doing uh, it to you, too, because you're probably holding your phone in front of your yep. face, and it's blinking at you 10 times a second and putting a data pattern on your face and seeing you in 3D. Well, that gives Apple and whoever has a phone in front of uh, Samsung or whatever. And you start thinking, oh, wait a second, I'm going to be soon talking to a virtual thing on this screen, and it's going to know how I'm feeling because it's watching my face react to it. Micro expressions. Yeah. He's getting upset. <laughs> yeah. Like pacing around the house. It already knows that too, because of the, me the mesh that's in the house. This is where I started talking to radio professors over at Stanford. What's going on? Every Apple device in my house has an ultra wideband chip in it. It's not yet really turned on and it's connected to uh, the M1 processor, my iMac. And it too is pretty much not turned on. The founder of Supernormal told me it's sitting, waiting for all of us to put models into it. Right. Well, there, there are a bunch of companies, Robert, that are doing exactly that. They're collecting information while people are engaging on their computers. My company is one of them. I met three companies at Satoshi Roundtable in Dubai last week that are doing it. I personally know half a dozen other companies that are capturing using facial expressions and voice modalities to understand people's mental health, their emotional health, their, their 
uh, state of mind and so forth to understand uh, quite a few different things of what products to surface to them, what content to provide to them, how to educate them in more effective ways. This is all coming much faster than most people realize. Yeah. And it's going to be mind blowing because soon you're going to have augmented reality chips in front of your eyes. I mean, people who have a quest are already starting to feel this way, right? It's like, wow, I'm inside something. I'm experiencing something that I couldn't do with a TV, right? And that's with a, with a low res, low quality chip. Wait until you see what's coming this Christmas, right? It's going to be a 4K chip that has um, a 240 hertz. And they're using it, Apple's using AI to lighten and darken the pixels as, as it goes in a way that you can't notice that, but it makes the picture have a much greater dynamic range. So the visuality around you, if you're looking at SpongeBob on your Christmas, on your kitchen table, um, it's going to look badass, right? And when it starts looking badass, you start believing in it and start talking to it much more. What about oh, the ability? Oh, AI and AR, they're joined, right? Because the, the, the mesh network was to make the AR better. The AR is the user interface for AI coming soon. That's going to let us have a holiday. Or like AJ was trying to pitch me uh, having real interactions with a car of the future, right? Why is Apple spending so much money in R&D on cars? Because they know that soon you're going to be wearing a pair of glasses and they're going to be able to change the transportation experience completely because of it. Well, the ability to be able to pick up on patterns in the voice for disease um, recognition or your mental health, um, that's another key point as well. I mean, think about it. We're moving from text-based world to a voice world, uh, and we all have vocal patterns that are attached to our nervous system. So the ability to be able to predict um, any diseases, any spikes in mental health instantly um, is another key key element to think about. You should introduce how who you are because you do this. Comes. Hold on a second. I just want to get to How do you say your name, by the way? Oh just call me T. It's so much T. easier. I don't know what my parents were thinking. They must have been high when I was born. Um, <laughs> you, but yeah, but you build these personalization systems, right? Tell me a little bit about what you what you. Yeah. So <laughs> with, I'm kind of. I I work in the space of All right, no, um, no sound effects. <laughs> I, I work in the space. Um, I I actually work for a company that does multilingual data sets um, for some of the biggest conversational applications globally. And um, some of the applications we've been working on recently are around um, diagnosing disease um, through voice or working with people that have um, speech impediments and empowering them with AI tools that will actually be able to help them communicate with their family again after a stroke. Um, but yeah, bringing it kind of back to robotics and speech and these applications living in our homes, collecting data. It's an interesting topic at the moment to start to understand just the power of your, your voice and where AI could potentially help. And bringing it back to even a medical case, imagine having an avatar in your house for an elderly person that could potentially help you check in every day, see how you're feeling, making sure you're taking your medication, being a companion, you know, when you're at home alone. Um, yeah, it's, it's very fascinating. I've so also important. a lot to share on generative AI as well, but we've moved on from that topic. So maybe no, it's all on the table. Anything that's like three months old or newer is on the table. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I just think it's fascinating. Like right? 1.0 is old. Have you heard of this thing? It needs to be replaced. Oh my God. <laughs> 
right? That's crazy. Um, you know what I, I think is really fascinating, though? I, I've been working in artificial intelligence for a, a, a bit of a period now. And I used to tell people at parties and they're like, oh, what? The robot's taking over the world. Um, and now you say you work in artificial intelligence and everybody actually wants to talk to you about you know, GPT and uh, generative AI and the effects on artists and what it means now to be a creator. And I think um, there's two components, right? One's like about adjusting and keeping yourself um, in, the, in the know. But the second part is actually not bombarding yourself and taking a step back and just working out what applications work for you because it's moving so quickly. I think there's going to be a lot of applications that pop up and drop off. Um, you know, these foundational models like OpenAI, now like Bard and others that are, are popping up, they're here to stay, right? They've got buying power. They've got money. Maybe. They're doing yeah, they're doing enterprise deals. I think OpenAI is definitely getting their teeth in with Microsoft. That's pretty strong. I mean, $10 billion definitely speaks. Yeah. Um, Google is uh, a customer of ours, so I can't really talk about some of that landscape. But from what the media are saying about Google, they're doubling down and investing heavily. Um, and they will come out to market with something. You've got to remember they have over a billion users that they can tap into instantly. So when they roll out, it's going to be quick, it's going to be fast, and it needs to be competitive if they can get the product there. Um, and that probably brings it back to its integration with other code generating tools and others that are foundational models that they can actually help to you know, help us write code and various other things. So anyway, I'm going to stop talking. Interesting, interesting topics, and I'll, I'll reel in when, when possible. This conversation, so I love what you're what you're studying because uh, understanding the user is going to be a new deal. Uh, the founder of Sync Reality scanned my family room and then ran a fashion show in the family room where the models were walking on my floor. Right, that's what's coming. That's not how it Right. Well, and Chris, you do this. Uh, you, you're studying this whole industry. What, what are you of What course. are you doing with fashion and all the, all this new stuff? Yeah, so currently we're working on some pretty cool stuff that is eventually going to be going into the fashion industry. And I just wanted to speak about that real quick. Um, one of our main goals is to make sure that while there's a lot of hype about, you know, chat GPT and other AI tools, we want to make it so that this integration with existing products is seamless. We feel that that's one of the best ways to actually get, you know, mass adoption in a way where uh, using AI is no longer just, uh, for example, a novelty. Somebody might use ChatGPT and say, wow, that is very cool. But we want to make sure that there's high retention uh, for these specific use cases. What we're trying to tackle is trying to create AI dressing rooms so that the onboarding process for users in the fashion e-commerce industry is uh, alleviated a lot. Specifically, we're trying to alleviate the problems of uh, money loss in terms of poor UX. You know, users or anybody in general, and I'm sure this goes for a lot of people, They've bought articles of clothing that either A, don't really fit them well, B, don't really go with their outfits, or C, uh, just wasn't what they're looking for. And so we're trying to help combat some of these issues uh, with allowing users to take a photo of themselves and then be able to try on any outfit super quickly, which is tap a few buttons and also get recommended, um, you know, uh, different differences. Mm -hmm. When I spoke at a government conference out in the expo hall, there was a vendor that showed me Yosemite National Park in 3D and I was flying through it with a VR headset. And then yep. they said, how do you think that was all made? And I said, I don't know that. Unity, you had a bunch of developers make make this, you know, bring in scans and do some photogrammetry stuff. I, no, no, no. A single photo from over your head made from a satellite, hmm. right? And so I I look at the whole world now. If, if I can take a picture of you 
the computer is seeing you in 3D and being able to overlay clothes on you. Is that where the state of the art is or how far are we from that? Where we just aim a phone at somebody and then we can put virtual clothes on them. I mean, like right now we're currently working on a product that helps users, you know, they're able to upload a photo of themselves, their upper body, and then we're able to then show them a photo of themselves in their peak physical condition. And we also prompt them with AI generated workouts and diets. So that's currently where we're at, but we really don't think that our end goal of AI dressing rooms is that far. We think it's actually pretty much around the corner. Um, you know, we feel and Robert, by the way, putting clothes on people with AI is probably not the problem that most people have. No, but you're going to do it because that's going to be a fun thing to do on Friday nights. Is I'm to, saying the opposite know. challenge is what a lot of people are interested in. <laughs> What's oh, undressing people? Yeah, we won't talk about that too much. Today. <laughs> but it's happening. Uh, <laughs> but but I did sell a lot of VHS VCRs back in the 1980s because of that industry. So I know it's there. And uh, at Rackspace, we sold a lot of cloud computing because of that industry. So I know it's there, right? It is uh, there. But you know, the closet thing is actually really, really important. It's not just the regular closet because we have we have metaverse wearables along with regular wearables with the NFTs as the, the this is the certification that this is the real luxury good. This is the real item. They don't, we don't have closets. We don't have a way to dress our avatars, pick what we want to wear, and then pop into wherever we want to. Ready Player Me is the only one that can go into 700 metaverses, but we don't have a closet that'll integrate with that. Can you make that as part of your thing? Because I need that. I have a lot of clothes, that I, and I'm, I'm having to go to parties naked. I really don't want to do that. I have the clothes. I want to wear them. And I'm having to show up looking like I just came from art school, like a poseable white little thingy for a figure model. Like... Yeah, I want to wear yeah. the cute dresses and yeah. Now you want to go to the raves in uh, VR. I want to go to the rave. I want to have a booty. I want my boobs. I want my full avatar. Oh, I have a kick well, butt avatar. You want your Coachella dress to be the same as when you wear to Coachella, right? You want yep. the metaverse has entered the chat. <laughs> and 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 I and I want I want my figure back while I'm in the process of doing the next fifty thousand squats to get my booty back. My metaverse <laughs> version of me could already have my booty back. Well, I mean, well, here's the problem with that, AI, right? If you have stable to... diffusion to make an image of sunset at at Grand Canyon, it hallucinates mm-hmm. back an image that makes you feel like you're in the Grand Canyon, but it's not accurate. It's more colorful though. It's more enjoyable to look at for a human. In other words, the AI knows what to present to a human being to get a human being to like it. In the image, yeah. to like the image. And, and, you know, one other thing that I just wanted to mention relating to the previous comment about, uh, you know, uh, you being in shape and having that, that one central AI dressing room. Yeah, no, that's already something that we do do right now, right? Um, you know, our current technology, like, allows users to change, like, their physical kind of like stance, I guess, in the present moment. So they can upload a photo. Like, you want to you look like a bodybuilder? Yeah, go ahead. You want to, you know, like whatever type of fitness form you can actually see like instantly, right? Um, and that's also one of the main things. You spoke about how in the metaverse, right? Oh, you have this closet, this closet, this closet, but there's not really a like central one, right? And right. one of the things we want to focus on is kind of bridging the average consumer that maybe they know what chat GPT is. And they say, ah, oh, the AI stuff is pretty cool. Maybe they think it's a little bit scary, but it's still a little bit foreign to them. And making sure that we onboard them in a process where it's, okay, cool. Here's our digital closet right now right. where you can also try on physical clothing. And then they kind of get the idea and say, oh, wow, this AI stuff's pretty cool. 
oh wait, hold up. And kind of similar to chat, how chat GPT did it, where it's like super simple, uh, you know, UIX, UI, UX. And it's just really yeah. easy for anybody to pick up, play around with. We kind of want to do the same thing. Uh, Don't you just want to talk well. to stable diffusion and say, hey, give me a new costume to wear to the party tonight. Right? Or I would I'm love at a that meeting right now. I'd like, I'd like to be a psychedelic fish or something. Right, I, yes. space alien warrior, and, and it'll. This is what the artist was showing me. It will hallucinate back at you, in pretty quick. What you, you know, what you ask it for, and stable diffusion is building three D. That's why I got interested in AI art. I, you know, have I ever retweeted art before? Not much. Now I'm wholesale in because I see these people who are doing this AI art as the artists mm -hmm. who are going to take us into the holodeck. Right. Because when we do get a holodeck and we're getting one this Christmas from Unity and from sta Stable Diffusion and probably Apple at, at some level. So what what do we do with this? It's going to be the artists who do the thing we want it done with. Right. Okay. They're the ones who are going to make the world around you attractive. And well, there's I, a real problem with demented. that, though, Robert. The artists are really pissed off with generative AI because generative AI... Not the new AI artists. There's a whole new group of AI artists who are doing amazing stuff, and that's what Absolutely. I'm Absolutely. I, I have a question for you guys. Speaking of the... I have a question. Can I jump yeah. up? <laughs> yeah. um, so, uh, the Super Bowl is this weekend, and I've been covering AI in the Super Bowl. Like, what, you know, because it's cultural commentary. And there is a flashback um, to Clueless. If anybody saw Clueless in the 90s, um, there was a lot of AI, believe it or not, in how Cher uh, picked her wardrobe. Uh, she had an app that would pick out her wardrobe. She'd mix and match. And then she'd go into her robotic closet and pull the outfit out and leave. When are we going to get that? That was the 90s. And I've been asking that. I've asked Ben this many, many times since I've written this article over and over again. When are we going to get to the point where AI just can recommend clothes for us and then give it to us where we're watching a TV show and say, oh, I really like that outfit. Can you get it for me in my size tonight? Can you, you know, send it? And then when is that happening? And why it seems so easy, even with just QR codes. I mean, like, can somebody please answer that question? It when are happening. we going to get? But where, where is just, the commercialized product where I can get a 3D outfit to wear after I see it? I mean, that's that's kind of like what we're working on right now and also just one other thing i wanted to touch on because i know we spoke uh you know multiple people have talked about the creator economy and how creators might not be too happy with that um so while i do have a background in terms of the ai stuff my original industry was working with creators uh so i spent a lot of time like living with them and kind of understanding where they come from on the personal level uh and i don't view ai as a tool to actually replace creators right uh, I view it as a tool that will actually help them and yeah. aid them in the process of making awesome stuff, right? So, you know, like I lived at the content creator house that was previously like, you know, Charlie D'Amelio, Huddy, like uh, cool people came out of there. It was called the Hype House. And, you know, during that time, there's a process of how influencers create content that I don't really know if you can replicate. Uh, it comes from just somewhat of like a natural spark and intuition for being able to, you know, just go throughout their day and spot really cool opportunities saying, ah, you know what? That'd be awesome. And... You can't really replicate that on a level of okay, cool. Here's here's some algorithm to create the coolest content. You can do no, that. I think that's a little that's a little different than what I'm asking. I'm asking to oh. see something I want and then I want it. Okay, we now have 30 minutes of delivery available to us. We have a way to even image search to get the outfit. Like something that when Amazon some guy... can actually ship to you or something. It's oh. the Martinez, the 30 minute delivery side. It's too 
it's too wildly expensive to make the logistics work. Uh, uh, I have I've looked at a couple of startups in this space. The just the the cost of the logistics gets insane when you try to get to that short of a time frame. This okay, is the same Ben, reason- I'll take it the next day, Ben. I'm <laughs> shopping in one of the stores powered by Octane AI. I talk yeah. to your bot. Somehow the bot can hear me because I'm not typing it in. I say, I really like that outfit she's wearing on, I don't know, whatever show. And then the, the bot says, hey, Martine, we have it in your size. They have it in your size at blah, 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 at blah, blah, blah. You want me to order it? And then it's ordered. You and I spoke about this like years ago when I wrote my first article on Voice AI. Like, when is this going to happen? Hold on a second. The, the pieces are really close. For instance, Amazon has a camera in its Amazon app. Yeah. That if you aim it at somebody with a certain kind of dress yeah. on or a certain kind of suit on, it'll tell you, it'll, it'll recognize that suit yeah. and then show you other suits that are similar to it. I've done it. Correct? Their app's not as good as Shein. Shein is much better. You can really get much closer to the outfit. Yeah, a bunch of them have that, where you can find the outfit if you take a photo of it. My point is, is that with all the conversational AI, why can't I have a conversation like with ChatGPT? Hey, what should I wear to this interview? I'm going on the air in like 20 minutes. What should I wear? ChatGPT can actually tell me what I can wear. When it's hooked up to the internet or what, whoever can do this for me, I will spend the money. Just get it, me the it's outfit. Coming, it's there's coming. It's not quite here yet. Though, Sync reality. There's two worlds there, right? I mean, there's the world of chat GPT and it can, it can answer you and it can say what's going on. There's also your world. What is in your closet? What do you own? What is nearby that you could own if you were going to purchase it, right? So there's a bunch of different worlds. And we're talking a lot about AT, uh, AI. We haven't talked a lot about privacy. We haven't talked a lot about. Who I don't want to know. talk about that. I want Zendaya's dress from the Grammys a couple of years ago. <laughs> or from the end. I want her dress and I want to just be able to talk to me, my AI and the say, problem, hey, can you get me that dress? And she says, you know what? It's actually on sale. word though, Martine. That's the critical. You said you want to talk to my AI. And that's the critical piece. Which AI in the cloud is your AI? The answer right now none of them i will use ben's AI. ai and i will say this rest. that the company that creates great ai that is also something that i can quote unquote own it starts getting uncomfortable talking about ownership when you talk about smart systems that start approaching or, or more you know, accurately build a relationship with yes yes but also where my stuff is kind of firewalled from other people's stuff and i know that and i trust that whether because I own it fully physically and digitally or because I trust the company that's doing it. I know you're going to talk about Apple in that case, Robert, but that is critical because that thing can know every instant, everything about you, your weight, your height, your size, what's in your closet, what's in your house, everything around. And when it knows that and you trust it to know that and you're okay and you with it knowing that and it and you knows will. your bank balance and it has your credit card and it has it everything does. else, then that world can happen, but there's a lot of pieces to put together. You no, know, John, that, that sounds scary, but actually, yes. a lot of a lot of sites that have my credit card already kind of know what I like. I lo know what I like to wear across social media and sure. shopping sites. Sure, but all those and they could do that for me. But of you, a lot of these sites, John. A lot of these sites actually know all of me. They have oh my, my credit card. They know the way I shop. I bought there before or I've been on Instagram. They've seen my selfies, whatever. So Instagram actually is very effective at serving me up ads where I've bought clothing off of it. What I'm asking for is an AI agent that I can then just talk to like ChatGPT and say, hey, 
Can you get me Zendaya's dress from when she it's won? It's coming. Penny? I've seen it in the labs. It's coming. Think Reality actually lets you stop the fashion show and buy the clothes right off the models. Um, you're seeing a lot of things being built. We don't yet have the ultimate device to view this. And that's what we're really waiting for. Oculus Quest or Meta Quest is just not it. It's not good enough. And we're about to get a device that is good enough this Christmas that can do this kind of thing. Christmas. I know, but that's what you got to do. I don't have an <laughs> answer for you today it. that's completely holistic the way you Martin. want it, right? That but, has but one thing. Who knows what I want? Ben knows Martin, what I want. Know what so you want. Here's the problem. about this. Martin, yes, talk to me. You, yes. You, Martine, do you consider yourself a decisive person? A decisive person? I mean, when I see a dress on TV that I like. The yeah. no. Yes, Martine, you're in the minority. The vast majority don't know what the F they want. I've seen this from watching millions of shoppers because we power the quizzes for 3,000 stores. People don't know what they actually want. That's the problem. Well, but yeah, Ben, Ben, we'll be ben I understand, Ben, I understand what you're talking about. And actually for people that identify as women or, or people that are women like me, um, I do buy, when I like, I go into a store, I'll try on a thousand things. So I know what you're talking about because I'm trying to find my style or I like to go through a lot of things to find my style. So that's, you know, that's just uh, my psychographic. But AI should be able to deal with it because it's highly intelligent. ChatGPT should be able to deal with those preferences. I'm just asking for an integration to drive commerce. And I think once they solve for that problem, there's an enormous amount of money. I would spend a lot of money to get that dress that she was wearing when she won her Emmy, Zendaya. And I, I think you can go back up to 30,000 feet. This is what we want to talk about everything. I mean, my wife and I are doing a vacation in June, and all we've been doing is talking to AIs and each other, right, about what the AI tells us. So do we really want to go there, right? We just don't have it well integrated into a virtual being yet, but I know the virtual beings are coming this year. Unity yep. has one. Unreal has <laughs> a whole family, right? And that's going to be hooked up to something like ChatGPT. But by the end of the year, ChatGPT is going to remember you and have conversations with you over time, right? Remember what you said last year? <laughs> so, I'm so a little off sometimes. So maybe it's okay. not this Christmas. So, maybe I no, see next, next Christmas, Christmas. But it's coming within the next 24 months for sure, right? So, so we, I've been working on this AI matchmaker to what you were saying about your AI we were able to partition off the particularities of each individual person while having the matchmaker have the matchmaking information and expertise across all of them, but that those conversations were siloed on your side and they weren't actually, they didn't go back and get data mined. They were, it remembered who you were, what you liked. Did you like this guy? No, this guy was, this guy was too tall. This guy smelled funny. No, this was a good match. He was actually really like, it's your own matchmaker. And we've been it working on like that. It's a valuable data set. It, yeah. it, it is because it matched based on sexual preference, not just geolocation. So that's why it had to be super, super, super private. Because, yes. you know, if you're going to tell somebody, look, I really like this, but I have a hard time actually going, hey, by the way, I really like this. If you don't like this, we're not going to work out. So how about we just cut to the chase? Like, figure out, is it a yes? Is it a no? And, you know, bless you on your journey. There you go. Who uh, brought up privacy? Because that's going to be a real interesting thing. That's I the did. big, John did. Okay. And that's the whole and thing that we've been struggling with was the privacy. So we had to do blockchain. We had to make it permissioned. Well, it's not living out there all the time for everybody to see. Here's it's really a new complicated. problem coming out all 
here's a new problem coming at all of us soon. We're going to all be wearing glasses with camera with an AI computer on it, right? Yep. Yes. Once you do that, it's imaging, it's inferencing everything it sees. It's doing computer vision on everything around you. Uh, there's an app I'm that not came wearing out of, those glasses. Uh, you will actually. But I they, have proof they're already doing that. Speaking, but, no, no, already... hold on, hold on. Let me let me set up okay. the problem because then we'll talk about. Okay. It. Okay. Okay. I have already done it. I have a yep. Quest in my in my living room. It has mm -hmm. four cameras on the floor. One night mm -hmm. I was playing with it, and my wife walks into the room naked. It's seeing. Okay. Now today it's not doing a lot of AI computer vision on what it's seeing, but tomorrow that is going to be imaged. And it's going to be processed and it's going to go into a model and it's going to get some, something is going to get shoved back to you. Where do you want that processing to be done on your head, in the house or on the cloud? And I guarantee you, if you think about it long enough, you don't want it on the cloud. You don't, no, want, it you don't want it on the you cloud. Don't want it. But here's the other thing. Robert, at least not the first inferencer. Because we right. have to deal with this exact problem because look for at Ahura, we collect a significant amount of data to understand how to most effectively train individuals for the skill sets they need. So we turn on the cameras and the microphones and so forth, and the websites they visit. The decision we made is to make, do all those calculations and all the processing on the edge, on the person's own computer, so it doesn't go to the cloud, so it's not beamed back and forth. From a privacy perspective, that's absolutely critical. And this is actually a conversation we've been having on Necro Island with some of the top AI people from some of the biggest companies around what does AI ethics actually look like? Because there's a variety of components. One is uh, who has access to that data, who sells that data to what customers. But another major component of it is where are the security vulnerabilities? Because if you could do all of the things correctly, you could have good policies in place and not sell the data and not be Facebook and all that stuff. But if you have vulnerabilities where you're sending people's data back and forth and you're not encrypting it properly or you're uh, creating a situation where bad actors can access that data, even if you don't intend them to, that's yeah. still unethical artificial intelligence. And really, as, a, as an industry, we need to be having very serious conversations around how are we building these things and how are we applying pressure to bad actors so well, that we don't create a system of tools that we can't then go back and change way down the line. Yeah. But Robert, here's where it becomes much more interesting because you're wearing that thing with cameras on your head, but I'm wearing a thing with cameras on my head as well. And actually those things are communicating. So I'm going out another year, two, three years or whatever, something yeah. like that. And the thing on my head is telling the thing on your head what I want to look like, not Bingo. just how I look like. So and there in we get three the years, we're that gonna Adrian be... was talking about. There we get the body figure that I might want and might not have, may never have. No, right? you're a fish or you're <laughs> or you're a furry <laughs> or you're whatever the fuck you exactly. want to be. But that's the whole point. Why don't we yeah. let people? And that was what we did with the smart ID was literally you have your own person. You are a human being. Cannot be taken away. Liveness, likeness. This is your ID. This is your person. But if you're like the top surgeon in the country, do you really want to be furry number 74 on an, on an alt fetish site? I know, no, I know you have to be able to. are furries, actually. I know, so. <laughs> I know, but that's what I'm saying. But they have anonymous avatars, and you have to allow for people to be that anonymous version of themselves, but still and maintain not just, And not the just ethics. in virtuality, in actuality. Right. 
which is going to be really interesting because we already have huge issues with knowing what is real, what is true, what is reality, what is actually happening, what can we trust? And it's going to get so Here's much one for harder. You, that you can practice yeah. uh, for the future. Do you have a pair of AirPod Pro headphones? Of course I yep. do. When you're in I live transparency in mode, are you... <laughs> It, I, I wore these things to Christmas dinner, right? And I put them in my ears and I put them on transparency mode and I can hear everybody talking to me. Am I really hearing them? No. <laughs> Not yeah. at all. You're sure hearing does. what the microphone picked up, what the computer processed and shoved and amplified into a little speaker in your ear. That's what you're hearing is what the computer wants you to hear. You're not hearing reality. You're yep. not hearing an analog wave coming from somebody's Oh, right? I have and it in full get... noise canceling, so I hear nobody. That's how I want it. I just want to read lips. <laughs> and that turns off reality, what you think is reality, but it's not reality at all. It just turned off certain things in what it's doing for you, right? This is a it, real it's important thing because in the glasses, you're going to have the same kind of thing. You're going to be able to choose, do I see reality or not? But even if you and see what reality, kind of reality. Will I see okay. left reality, right reality, political reality? Exactly, exactly, There's John. So are, is our reality going so to be screwed? screwed. Oh, right? It will is be I... because it'll be more colorful, right? right? Hey, hey, Siri, put put a rainbow on the sky, right? Hey, Siri, don't show me any homeless people when I walk through downtown San Ooh. Francisco. Hey, oh, my Siri, God. Show me the city I'm in as if it was a Chinese city so that it has different look and feel and everything. I mean, it is mind-blowing what we're going to be having to deal with. Not, and, 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 and John, you bring up an exceptional point. Being able to say, eliminate this thing that makes me uncomfortable, that's a problem. I don't want to see that. No, right? Like the, the reality bubbles the times of You guys are looking at it wrong. I think most people are actually good at their heart and they want to help people like that. So yes. tell me how to fix this problem. You know, give me some ideas. Give me some Give me some experts around the table talking to me about this problem. What should we do? I have a hundred bucks to help solve this problem. What what should I do with this hundred? But it it gets heartbreaking because it's those of us who grew up in California. I mean, we we understand homeless. We can handle the homeless. We we already have a protocol for that. The problem is when I went to NFTLA and I'm being driven through what looks like an entire new city within a city that is a tent city, and it is people who have no homes. It is not homeless people. It is previously homed people who no longer have homes and they're getting their kids ready and walking them to school. And I about lost my, it took me like an hour to get over that because I was well, not yeah, prepared already, for that. Dealing with that though. Now, not on a physical level when we're out and about, but the, the content that we consume from the news, from Facebook, from yep. Twitter, from every other source, we choose who we follow or the algorithm chooses for us what oh, that's the part I don't like. Should be there to us, and so already we're not living in reality. We nope, have our you're right. years right. that we live in. It's only going to get worse. Yep. You guys, I have a question. Yeah. Um, they, uh, I think Robert's agenda was AI and autos, and I thought <laughs> I thought because we only have a we half haven't even hour gotten left. into that because that's a whole lot of disruption right there. Yeah, because we haven't even gotten to autos yet, and I think a lot of interesting things have happened this year with the ambitions dropping from L5 to L4 and so forth. So I'd love to hear Robert's take um, take on the state of uh, autonomy and autos. If yeah. you guys don't mind just jumping to that next topic. Sure. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, if you look at Irene and I wrote about this in our last book. We we analyze what it does economically. Okay, so um, my Tesla right now costs about two dollars an hour to pay for it. Right? If you if you buy a Tesla, put five thousand dollars down and pay a monthly fee and pay all the expenses and keep track of them, it comes to about fifteen hundred a month, two thousand something like that. There's seven hundred twenty one hours in a month, so it comes down to two two bucks. If you add a human to that, the cost goes up to 18 because minimum wage is 15 bucks. Right? So right there, you see there's a huge problem for human beings. And that's that's a huge driver of why these venture capitalists are funding these in, um, startups at such a high volume, right? You, you see Google started Waymo. Uh, you see Zooks, which got bought by Amazon. You're seeing General Motors funded crews with multiple billions of dollars, right? And Tesla is doing its thing and it's spending multiple billions of dollars and Apple is spending a lot of money uh, that hasn't turned into a product yet. But we all know it's coming. It's already here in certain cities, right? You can take a, a GM cruise around in San Francisco and a few other cities. It will expand every year until it hits 100%, right? Maybe that takes 10 years for GM. I think Tesla's going to get there a lot faster than 10 years. So it's coming. And when it comes, it's going to change how we view transportation. Because all of a sudden, if a car can drive to you without a human in it, you're going to use it for new things. Like you'll send it to your laundromat and go pick up your clothes. Right? Why are you driving to the laundromat? Let's say the laundromat's 15-minute drive for you. Why are you driving half an hour to go pick up your laundry? That's a waste of your time. Send your car. Right. And now all of a sudden we're using transportation completely differently. And, and delivery the last mile so, problem. Well, there it's is. The last mile and that's problem. where the, that's where the robot's interesting. Yep. Right. Cause if a robot can go into the laundry and talk to the laundry person and say, I'm here to pick up Robert's laundry and, you know, take it back out to the car and properly put it, hang it or put it in the trunk and then drive, you know, the car drives to my house and then a robot gets out of the car. Picks up the laundry, comes up to my front door, rings the doorbell, and then talks to me and says, "Hey, your your laundry's ready. This this is the Tesla service. Um, you know, we're just delivering your laundry like you asked for. Thank you very much." Right? Dominoes did the pizza that, delivery. Bingo, just that. Bingo. That's that's pizza a huge disruption in Vegas. I literally was but, standing there waiting for my Uber, and a driverless Tesla comes up, and lit, the person comes out. They've gotten a text that their pizza was there. Came out. And this little shot out the little pizza at them. No driver, no nothing. I started thinking this way because I, I met the CEO of Moet, a big alcohol company in France, right? Um, and I asked him, what keeps you up at night? He said, Uber. And I said, you're an alcohol company. Why are you worrying about a transportation company? And he says, first of all, I'm not an alcohol company. I'm a party company. I, I deliver parties. I was actually in his party at the French Open talking to him, right? So it made sense. Um, he said Uber can deliver a party to, you, to your house and do away with all of his brand power and all of his distribution advantages, right? So it keeps him up at night. And what could Tesla do? Bring a party to your house. What can AI with augmented reality and generative AI do it can bring a party to your house. I mean, this stuff is already being used by the DJs on stage. I just retweeted one of the DJs using AI to do the voices and to do imagery. And wait until they figure out they can bring this stuff to your home. 
a lot. Speaking of, of speaking of that, Robert, what are your thoughts on Mercedes Benz announcement that they are rolling out L three in their cars? Given that uh, only if it goes twenty five miles an hour, though, it's not real. I mean, it, right. it's it's marketing <laughs> bullshit, and it's on a car that you have to buy a hundred fifty thousand dollar car. I. <laughs> my Tesla is running on a car that's five years old. So you, you, Mercedes is at least five years behind Tesla. And they don't have the numbers of cars on the road to do robo-taxi that have this new AI computer yet. Now, could they get there? If they were aggressive, maybe, right? But um, not there. And I was in the R&D group at Mercedes talking about this. They gave me the first ride in the first autonomous car they made. They're way behind because they can't be aggressive like Tesla is for a number of different reasons called customers. What are those reasons? Uh, they have uh, a brand. They t I asked them, what, when are you going to put a computer in the glove compartment that has cameras so you can always um, image the uh, world with an AI computer and drive uh, and, and have that computer and the car updated, right? We know this. Tesla, every two weeks, gets an update. And it completely changes the cars. My brakes change, my acceleration change, my sound system change. And my headlights have gotten better lately, right? And, and uh, this week, we're about to get a whole bunch of new neural networks that Elon says. So we're about to get new capabilities for our car. And my car's five years old, right? Mercedes the doesn't have reason. anything like this. And why? Why They said, because we're worried about getting hacked. Here's the other reason they're really screwed because the meaning of a car company is going to massively change because if you have a car that can just drive wherever it needs to drive and you've got a bot that can come out, what does that mean for a car company? What does that mean for how many cars you need to sell? I like owning stuff, but if that was reliable and great, I would probably just call it like I call an Uber for everything. And that would save me a lot of money. And how many fewer cars need to be built? 50% fewer? 20, 25% as many? I don't know. Even if that's going to mean own... that if you want to make money as a car company, yes. you've got to do it in vastly different ways. Even if you uh, buy, buy a car, you probably will buy a smaller, cheaper car because you know that you can get a Cybertruck to pick you up and take you to San Francisco on Friday night, right? Or something like that. So you don't together. need to own yes. a Cybertruck. You don't need to own the big truck. You need to own a cheaper vehicle, right? To, for everyday driving to go into the grocery store kind of thing or wh whatever you do. Um, and then if you're going for a, a luxury day, you know, you order a, a luxury car. Well, speaking of that, I was talking to Dara Koshashahi, uh, CEO of Uber and Davos, and he was talking about how they're in conversations with several car companies about creating specific cars just for the ride share experience. He was also saying that they don't expect to have driverless for still a, a long period of time. Do you think, Robert and everybody else on the line, do you guys think that Tesla will be able to beat Uber to that and yes. start rolling out driverless? Yes, and that's, and like that's the kind of question I ask AJ because AJ actually builds this AI and knows how fast it's moving. And... You know, I came up with a, a, a data four years, two to get the technology finished, where we all agree it's like an amazing and doesn't do anything stupid. And then two more years for the legislation to prove to lawmakers that this is really ready. Right. So four years. My car's already five years old, so it's a short time. AJ, if you're there, uh, come on. I'm here. Tell us I'm what here. you think about the technology. We've been talking about a lot of, uh, about a lot of things, but. 
yeah, when it comes to cars, how, how soon are we really going to get a driverless car? Unless you live in San Francisco, um, then you already have it, right? I'd say four to five years, yeah. Because you need these generative AI and validation technologies to save more time. And it is almost certainly going to be Tesla first in terms of who you could buy a car that you actually own that can drive on most roads. Um, I still think there's going to be some lag time in getting performance up there for things like snow and sleet and ice and rain. Um, but we terms of good weather, self-driving. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, maybe they'll. What do we need to get the, the snow problem fixed? Is that a new kind of sensor system, a new kind of radar or a new kind of LIDAR or is camera good enough? Cause camera, the philosophy of Tesla is if your human eye can see mm. it, the camera can see it. Therefore the AI can do the same thing that human can do. Right. But we need wider we often we often take a lot of risk when we're driving right i've driven for hours in blinding snowstorms where i could barely see the taillights of a truck right in front of me right but it's and also so, yeah seeing it's the feeling we feel how the car is interacting with the road we feel how the tires are gripping well, we we're, well, we have so more than that just a computer visual can senses. do though adrian well yeah it but can. So first off, electric cars have a significant advantage over internal combustion engine cars here. Number one, you can drive an electric motor backwards. It can like self-brake, right? So traction control for an electric car, it, it can be done. I think Lucid is doing it at like a hundred times a second. But they can start doing it at like a thousand times a second. And we should talk about traction control because Adi took me on the ice at Davos and taught me to drive on ice. And they, the first thing they do is turn off the traction control and everybody spins the car instantly, right? Because you're on ice, you don't know how to do it. You turn on the traction control, you can go around their track, no problem, because it's breaking each wheel independently and keeping you from sliding. Once it starts sensing you're sliding, it puts on the brakes on a certain wheel and slows you down. The electric vehicle way of doing it, the, just do it with the brakes, but do it with acceleration too, right? So it can do yeah. a much different kind of traction control as possible in a, in a gas car. Well, the, the other pieces, you won't wear out your brakes on the electric car. So if you do what you described with the internal combustion engine car and your your letter of the traction control after like side laps or brakes all bleed. Um, whereas on an electric car, your brakes may not need to be involved because you can just, you, especially like a two or a three or four motor car, um, you don't need the brake. You use the electric motor and you write a, write a good computer program that's sampling and looking at tire slip. Um, if you want an example of that in production, the Lucid Air Sapphire, um, that's why it's doing a 9.1 second quarter mile, which is like 0.4 seconds faster than the Model S played. Glad. And lo and behold, it's designed by the same people that made the original Model S, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, so, you know, so. The vision piece is where we've got, we're going to have to see like spray nozzles and wiper blades on the sensors. It's not that different than like the headlight washers we saw on German cars in the eighties. 
um, and nineties, but those need to exist. Um, I mean, I would guess at some point they'll make some sort of cold weather package as an option. Cause not everyone will want it. People in California might not care about it. Right. Um, it will add to the expense of the car cause you gotta keep the sensors clean. Um, and then that's the other piece of it. Like you put salt over, um, the cameras, um, they're not going to be so happy. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's the same thing. I put salt all over your glasses. You're not going to be able to see very well. Either. Right. The, the so. Tesla cameras on the front windshield, there's three of them. Um, th- it actually turns on the windshield wipers and, uh, fluid to clean the sensors. It, it goes, Hey, my sensors aren't clean. And it washes them automatically, but the other sensors around the car don't have uh, ability to clean. So yeah, if you're driving through a muddy condition or you get splashed on the side, uh, the system goes, Hey, I can't see out of the right color anymore. I'm turning bottom or I'm turning dentist. And that's pretty frequent, honestly. I mean, that happens at least, yeah. you know, a couple times a week. Not for me. Do? I'm in California, man. That's why we fail. Screw you. A little tiny box. Well, and I think when it rains here, I do think that, 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 you know, whatever car company decides to set up shop in Sweden or Iceland or Norway, that group of engineers will have a big edge on doing snow, right? Yeah. Especially, and, and maybe they will do that, but like, you need the data. I only do driving in snow and ice often, and I got to be real with you. I grew up in Pennsylvania and only snowed like four times a year. So people don't get that much experience in certain parts of this country with the uh, snow. Well, what do you have hey, to Google? Yeah. yeah. Just to riff on that, you just mentioned data, right? So there's a couple of different ideas floating around about obviously decentralized or centralized AI. And decentralized AI, when referring to self-driving cars, would be the ability to exchange data in real time between each individual vehicle. Because I think we can also challenge what the vehicle looks like now, and it doesn't have to be a a car, so to speak. It could be circular. It could be anything, right, provided it's moving forward on wheels. But um, the idea that you could uh, share data instantly between, let's say, four vehicles uh, are approaching intersection and a child runs out or a dog runs out. The ability to be able to share data in real time from four points of view, regardless of who the owner of the vehicle is, regardless of who made the vehicle, to be able to analyze the correct course of action, I think is a really good theory. But the notion of being decentralized means there is no controlling governing body. So so what are your thoughts on decentralized yeah. vehicles? The decentralized yeah. piece is real interesting because uh, Cruz, if you watch the Cruz on Twitter, sometimes the entire fleet got in other words, it's very central controlled. Something in the center is controlling the whole fleet. Whereas my Tesla, if I drive it to Yellowstone National Park where there is no connect connections, no no cell towers, it still works. It still self-drives, right? Yeah. So it self-drives on its own without being connected to the mothership. That's really decentralized. AJ, can you please mute yourself? Yeah, sorry about that. Oh. And then okay. and then what about yeah, what about if you have decentralized, right? What do, what do we do about the, okay, there's going to be an accident. Somebody is going to die. Who dies? Who picks? Who dies? Well, Mercedes told me if it makes that kind of decision, it made millions of mistakes before it had to make that decision. 
but it should never speaking. ever hit anybody is their answer and same with tesla their goal is to make a car that can never hit anything right um, the, but then, the, the, you know, if you're sitting inside, to, to be able to stop quick enough to never hit anything or anybody or, or in any object would mean you would have to have an instant stop, which the impact is then felt on the passenger or the Why do you need that? I, I hit instant stop people on the freeway all the time, and my Tesla just slowly slows down and it's on its own. It never gets close to an axle. Where you will see accidents is when a human is drunk and running a red light and the camera on the car can't see around the corner and so can't predict that a car is coming through the red light at a high rate of speed and goes, that's when you're going to have some sort of wreck. And that's where you're, you're, what you were talking about makes a lot of sense. If there's an, another electric car, another self-driving car around the corner, it could warn everybody, hey, there's a drunk coming through the stop sign. Stop, you know, don't, don't, don't listen to the green light. Yeah, it's almost like predictive, right? So using data to predict risk Bingo. ahead of time before, instead of being reactive. So we're reactive now, taking in the current data around us, but by decentralizing the model and taking in data points from every vehicle on the, on the road, like the Waze model, you'd be able to obviously predict when an accident may be approaching or the likelihood of collision before you enter that. I mean, if you're, if you're a mile away and you, and you see a dr drunk driver, right, you, you know, they're drunk because they're weaving and going at a high rate of speed and running lights and stuff like that. Right. Um, if you could call ahead to everybody and warn them, Hey, there's a drunk driver in this neighborhood, pay extra attention, be very conservative going through lights and stuff. Like that, right. Cause there's going to be a police action soon. Because I, I would love I've that. Been, I've been on the phone with the police, right? And following yep. a drunk driver, right? And it, 25 my minutes car, and my 11 car accidents could, later, they hadn't got the driver, the driver yet. I wish I could have told all the other cars. It's a real problem. This is why I care about this industry and why Jay and I talk so much. Because um, two of my best friends died in high school in car wrecks, right? And my mom and brother wrecked their cars on Highway 17, a road that my autonomous car, my Tesla drives on and both ways. It's crazy. Um, I care about safety. And, and we know that humans are not really good at chaotic environments. Uh, the head of Ford Safety told me that in crashes, they instrumented a whole bunch of their fleet vehicles because they sell all sorts of vehicles, rental car agencies and other, other places, fire, yeah, police, buy Fords and stuff like that. And so they instrumented all their uh, fleet vehicles and they found in, in an accident, when you're hitting a tree, most people have not applied full braking pressure and have not taken all the energy out of that accident that they could, right? A computer will not do that. A computer will be fully stepped on the brakes if it's about to hit and scrubbing up energy. Yeah, absolutely. And ultimately the best way to prevent all these deaths and drunk drivers and enabling my Tesla and your Tesla to be able to stop and not hit anything is to make sure everybody has these self-driving cars as well, right? There's what, a million truck drivers in the United States, 5.7 million in the, in the world. There are millions of people that get injured from car accidents on a yearly basis from uh, driving ICEs. And so uh, as we move forward, once this technology gets robust enough and inexpensive enough, it's going to save everybody's lives. Yeah. Yeah. And, hey and guys, is, I know um, Chris Voss has something to say, and he hasn't. Hey, Chris Voss. 
Actually, uh, Chris Moss is a, a fun guy. It, it, he and I used to go to the Consumer Electronics Show. Well, he still does. I, I give it after 25 times. But he's a gadget freak, and he's also been doing crazy podcasts with all these famous people on his podcast, write books and stuff. <laughs> Hi, Chris. I do. <laughs> Hi. Hey, hey, can you guys hear me okay? Yeah, yeah. So we, good. you're not an AI expert. You're out there. How are you looking at the consumer electronics industry and how it's about to change with this kind of AI that's coming at us? Because Siri is about to get a, a major, major upgrade, right? And so is Alexa because of this new kind of large language model stuff that we're using with ChatGPT now being, right? Yeah, that's true. Um, we, we actually have a lot of AI people on the show, uh, the Chris Foss Show podcast. We just had... Uh, Kevin Peterson of Growth Stack on, and we talked about AI. So we have a lot of guests that come on and talk about it. But I, I was told there would be free coffee and donuts. Uh, oh, that's the alcoholic somewhere that I meeting down at the church around. Oh, the oh shit! I gotta go, boys. I gotta go. <laughs> anyway, I wanted to announce something. I haven't been able to even talk to you about this, Gobel. Um, I've been uh, do, I, I've been doing a stealth startup, uh, launching uh, in this artificial environment, and. Uh, you know, everyone's always talking about artificial intelligence and AI. We wanted to do something that was uh, very untapped. So um, we're launching a company that uh, is, uh, has the acronym ASS. And what we're focusing on is artificial stupidity systems, uh, ASS. And uh, no, one's, no, one's really, no one's really delving in this market. I mean, why, why does everything have to be artificial intelligence? That seems kind of elitist to me. No, there should be artificial stupidity. It, and uh, for you, okay, I sent Chad GPT a thousand words of my writing, right? Told it to edit it, and it did a pretty good job yeah. on most of the paragraph. Yeah. But in one paragraph, it changed the meaning. It bullshit. And I told it, remove the bullshit. And it edited half of that paragraph and tried to switch it back. And I was like, oh, so you knew you put bullshit into my writing. And now you're trying to remove it, but you're doing an inadequate job of removing it. But at least you pointed it out to me. Right? Yeah. And, but so we, the, the other answer I gave earlier, if you ask it stuff, you can often tell it to give you the correct answer. It knows it knows how to find the correct answer in its databases, right? It just yeah. doesn't give that to you first. Yeah. So our, our first clients are the U.S. government. Uh, and, uh, doc of sites. So You're trying to find all them, the stupid people for the stupidity. government? <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Yeah. I predict Politicians you're going to fail, There's too much natural stupidity in the world already. We're there's... trying to get Mark Zuckerberg to invest in us because, you know, it's failed Facebook I, algorithms. I never bet against Why? Stupid ideas for stupid people. Cause I saw a guy in town here sell a pet rock in the 1970s and make millions of dollars. And I saw another guy build a, a million pixel wall on a website and sell that yep. dollars pixel, right? And yeah. Yep. Everybody bought a pixel. And I was like, okay, I got to think stupider about business. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, this but is really an untapped asked, market. Have you asked a chat GPT to help you build a bullshit business? It'll write bullshit for your bullshit business. It's really good at writing bullshit. Really? Wow. Yeah, yeah. Sounds, you tell oh, like yeah. my blog. You guys write me a poem completely bullshit. It'll do it. Wow. It's all about prompting. Just prompt it the correct way and it can deliver the results. That's your whole R&D department right there. Chat GPT. Yeah. Come on. The reason we, we want Mark Zuckerberg. First time I've met people who are building entire architectures using Chat GPT. 
if you ask ChatGPT to write you a Twilio API call in, in C Sharp, it'll do it and send you the code and explain how it, it does. works. I have yeah. been having asking Mark... smart contracts. <laughs> does it do a good job or how, how, how many bugs are in the code? It <laughs> makes some mistakes. It, it did okay. It does good on the basics. But when I try to do something like really extreme that kind of requires a couple of different contracts to integrate to each other, it doesn't do that right. But if it's all in one contract, it's done pretty good. So I just saw a paper today somebody sent me that now neural networks can run inside neural networks. That sounds sort of like a blockchain to me. No, it sounds like subconscious. Keep continue. That's all I had, dude. I got to run. <laughs> this has been amazing. You guys are killing me. Uh, great chat, everybody. I got to run. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. We've taken an hour and a half of everybody's time. Um, who hasn't been on yet? AJ, we should spend a whole hour just sort of wrapping this up as a post-show and getting into uh, how how deeply transportation is about to change, particularly when people are wearing augmented reality glasses. I mean, I, yeah, you can put augmented reality on windows. I've seen that. But the glasses are going to be next level for introducing virtual beings that are sitting with you in the car that you're talking to while it's taking you on a road trip. Mm -hmm. And and Robert, I want I want you to talk to us about color changing cars when they're coming to market next time. If you have the glasses, you can <laughs> do whatever you want to the cars around you, right? In fact, yeah. Tesla as it's imaging it, what, what it does. So what it does, it sees all the cars on my street, right? But it shows me a stupid little uh, representation of a car. It could replace that stupid little representation with. Uh, anything that's coming out of stable diffusion. Yeah. Why can't we do? I want to do that. I want to dress up like everything in my life. This could do cool things for road rage, right? So if you see people cutting you off or doing crazy things, you can just replace them with puppies and flowers and rainbows. Or you can uh, pull out a new video game and blow them away with a missile and the car <laughs> will blow up like a, like a movie. Seriously, this is coming, right? You can sure. you can take things that look real to you it, around you in 3D. They ain't real at all. In other yes, words, but the it, but computer it can do whatever like, you want to do that. I like the road rage idea, right? Because it needs to calm people down. Just like early in Trump's presidency, you could replace everything on the internet that was his picture with kittens. There was a plug-in, a Chrome plug-in. It literally <laughs> wiped him off the internet and replaced him with kittens. And that was the only reason that several of my friends like made it through. They just had to well, just kitten it out. Well, so talk nice about talking with everybody. Reality, right? Thank you so much. Walking over them. But Robert, so you are an expert in this. Um, there's uh, a new headset coming out in Q3 and a new metaverse coming out in Q3. Are you allowed to talk a little bit about that? And yeah, yeah. Some there's actually more than one because Meta has a, a new Quest 3 coming out. And that's going to have improved mixed reality. We'll see how good their side of the fence is. But they don't have the AI mesh. And what Apple has done is build an ultra-wideband radio network in the home. You probably are holding a chip in your hand that you don't even know about called ultra-wideband. It's not yet turned on. And when that mesh turns on, at least in my home, I have two M1 computers in my house on this mesh. And those were built for the autonomous car. 
according to the founder of Supernormal, who started a company and got $10 million two weeks ago to start his company, uh, taking notes on the Macintosh on the, on the AI mesh, because he told me how this worked. Um, that AI processing, AI inferencing engine is in the home. So it's private. It, it doesn't need to send anything to the cloud to do very advanced things like uh, turn you into a purple fish or something. <laughs> uh, or present you with a new kind of video game or present you with a new kind of movie or present like Irina, I just started to talk about sporting arenas uh, and sports, uh, present a new kind of sporting arena around you, right? Or a new kind of sports book, right? All of that will be generated by AI. And Apple has AI in the house on this network. Nobody else does. So I'm expecting the Apple headset, because Apple has done something it's never done, which is bless a company that is less than a year old, right? Because Apple in public on Twitter announced they're working with uh, st Stability AI to be the first uh, customer on the M1, M2 chip. Well, wow. that's, that's very, very important, right? So, and um, that leaves a new kind of thing in the home, but AJ um, has to take off. He, he tells me, so he has a dinner. So um, thanks AJ for joining me. I, you know, you and I should do one of these, just you and I, because I'd love to talk through how the auto industry is looking at the systems inside the vehicle, because those are about directly change as well. We're not going to be using a JBL head unit soon. We're going to be using an Apple head unit or a Tesla head unit in the car. And that's going to be, bring a lot of change to the uh, car industry. And so I wanted to talk a little bit through that, but then change. Yeah. I actually wonder how many car companies Tesla is going to kill over the three to five years. A lot of them. So. Yeah. A lot of them, because once. I've been doing consumer research with Irina, and we ask questions like, are you willing to get in a car that doesn't have a steering wheel like Wayne or like GM Cruise? And everybody gives me a very harsh no. This is a very clear, this is the biggest no of my life. I've never heard a violent no like this. One guy in Kansas told me, I'm a narcissistic control freak, and there's no effing way a little computer is going to drive me. <laughs> so, I think I know I, who that is. I, I, I absolutely agree with that statement. Right. Google, by the way, knows that if they put that guy in an autonomous car for three days, that he'll never drive again. They already have the data to prove that. And they had that nine years ago. That tells you how long this industry has been working on autonomous vehicles. Mm -hmm. Leave you on a different note. I don't actually think you need to get that far. Right now, a Tesla Level 3 after tax rebate is $500 cheaper than the Honda Accord. I mean, that alone is enough to scare the pants out of Bingo. legacy car properties. On that note, bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us, AJ. Yeah. The, the second question I ask people, are you willing to get in a car that uh, drives to you and then gives you a choice? And everybody changes their answer to yes, because they're control freaks. They don't care how the thing got to them or if it parked itself at an airport that they're flying to. They just care that when they're in it, they have control. That's their mental picture of how important driving is to them, right? Um, so you start thinking through this, and it's like, oh, shit, uh, Waymo is going to have to spend a lot more than Tesla to acquire a customer, right? Going to Kansas and trying to acquire a customer is going to be hard. 
and slow and expensive. I sat next to the craft food executives at the first Google advertising conference, and they spent $34 to acquire somebody to eat their cheese. And that's a lot easier prospect than getting somebody to go in a car that doesn't have a steering wheel. To Do people feel the same way about having Uber drive them or a personal driver or a taxi? No, they're, they're fine with that because there's a human accountable for driving them around, right? And they can choose to stop the, the vehicle and get out and all that. I mean, I was just in a room closing a deal and the Uber driver was drunk as a freaking skunk while he was driving me to the point where I wanted to just get out and get in another car. Uh, I, I would to... be much more comfortable with an AI driving because that's not going to yeah. be drunk. It's not going to be. Uh... Wow. I have, I have never had a drunk Uber driver. I've been roofied and literally gotten in and said, I anoint you big brother, get me home. And I've always got, I love my Uber drivers. It, it it happens occasionally. I mean, Uber does, it, uh, Uber, I was in South Africa talking to women who live in the slum and they said Uber totally changed their lives because they could get to better jobs. They couldn't get a ride uh, uh, before Uber. Nobody would come in the slum and pick them up. Um, so there's a lot of pauses, but I, I, Irina and I talked to Sebastian Thrawn, who started the autonomous car project at Stanford and then ran uh, Waymo, ran, ran the project for Google and then got spun out as Waymo. And he, um, he's, he and I uh, and Irina talked about what it takes to make a great brand. You know, like, why is Starbucks Starbucks? Is Starbucks Starbucks because it makes great coffee? No, I, I could take you to better places that make better coffee but it makes consistent coffee and it makes ubiquitous coffee. You can get the same exact latte in San Francisco, Seattle, Tokyo, London, wherever you go. Cause I've been all over the world and had Starbucks lattes and they all taste the same, very consistent product. So we fall in love with the shitty coffee from Starbucks, right? So what's, what's consistent in a transportation as a service well, Tesla, if, if Tesla gets to that point, I know what's going to show up, right? And it's not going to have a human. It's going to be very consistent. It's not going to be drunk. It's not going to talk too much. It's not going to smoke. It's not going to smell, right? And so customer um, expectations and, and comfort level is, goes way up and it's cheaper. This is going to be a more consistent brand and a cheaper brand and a safer brand. Right, because of its uh, to, to be autonomous is going to get in a lot less accidents than a human will. So, I see bad things ahead for Uber and Lyft because they don't yeah. have anything to compete with this. So, I think you're absolutely right about this. What do you think is going to happen to all of the Uber drivers, taxi drivers, truck drivers, all the people that are being replaced by all this artificial intelligence that I'm building and that you're building and Apple's building and that everybody else print. is building? What do you think? Do you think that what's going to happen with all the stuff? Fuck all those people. Shame? Silicon Valley coders are getting laid off because GPT uh, <laughs> is writing code for people now. Come on, let's. let's... <laughs> no, it, it's a big problem. This is a problem that we need policy to address. Okay, my dad moved our family out of poverty. He grew up in the projects in Brooklyn, and he grew got us out of poverty by going to school. He got the wealth to go to school because of the GI Bill, right? He went to the army, 
for a few years and then got the, the GI Bill paid for him to get a PhD at Rutgers, right? Um, we need policies like that will, re one, retrain people into modern jobs. There's going to be a, many jobs in the future. They're just creative and weird jobs that I can't even describe. I mean, I saw a guy this year, this just a couple of months ago, got hired as a prompt engineer. That job couldn't exist a year, right? So there's new jobs that people need to get retrained. And I know we can retrain a lot of people. I know there's other people that can't be retrained. My, my son is one of them. He's autistic. He's a special needs kid. It's going to be very hard for him to do a lot of neurotypical kinds of things. But um, the glasses are going to help him find something that he can do. I'm trying to get him to use AI to just to be for fun, right? Uh, talk to it and give give you some dinosaurs. It's really good at that, by the way, right? If you talk to stable, st stable diffusion or um, mid journey and say, "Hey, give me a dinosaur in the forest," it it will, right? Um, ah, a lot of problems. I went to the dinner with the blind, and there I learned it, there was a, there's a school over here for the blind, and uh, at the dinner, every augmented reality team from every large company was sitting around me from Apple, from Meta, from everywhere. Cause they all are working with the blind to get augmented reality glasses on them because they know it'll help them see. And they're doing the same thing with the deaf people. If I have augmented reality glasses, it can listen to the world and tell you what's happening around you in audio. It can help deaf people hear. So these are powerful new tools for human beings to do things that we couldn't do before. And that helps a lot of people. There's a lot of problems that are coming at us. And joblessness is one of them. Need. And unfortunately, our government is split in two and very, very divisive and not working together. I mean, if we were all working together, we'd all be chewing on these problems together, right? Well, yeah, I wanted Robert, to add as you know, we have a technology that retrains people. So uh, any thoughts that you have, I'd love to hear them. Uh, historically, we've been training people to do climate tech work because obviously there's a massive capacity building issue. There's a lot more capital now in this space than there is capacity. But we're also training people to code and do uh, social media management and project management, things like that. But what we found is things are constantly shifting, right? The skill sets that are required are changing on such a fast basis that I'm not sure if the university system will be able to keep up with all the changes. I mean, if you They're try not. to learn blockchain in university, I mean, by the no. time you graduate, everything you learned in the first three years is obsolete. So my friend, um, my friend Brandon Words got three thousand people arrested with his AI. He he ingested all of Craigslist and told his AI look for anomalies. I kicked out a 1979 Toyota Prius. That was a child sold on Craigslist. And he oh, found thousands and thousands of them and got them arrested. My son was studying to be a police officer at John Jay University, which is the best criminal justice school in the world, right? And he didn't have a single hour of AI policing, even though my, my other friend got 3,000 people arrested with AI, right? Wow. So. That's wild. This the schools are not set up to keep up. This is no. this is why we're all on Twitter, right? Because I'm just trying to retweet everything that's coming at me. Because 
I train the AI pretty well. I, I'm following 35,000 people on Twitter, all in there. That's, that's why I'm well, teaching so and certifying people how to do this Web3 stuff, because the Web2 industries really want to do it, but they don't know what they're doing. And then you have people who pay $9.99 and take a three-hour Udemy class and call themselves an expert. I'm like, no, you're not. I'm sorry. You're not. <laughs> and, and I can't refer people to, to anyone because I, I don't know that they know what they're doing. So I'm certifying a whole bunch of people. So now I can. But it's there, crazy there, business. This is changing so fast that what, what was true last week is not true this week, right? Ex um, exactly. So it's hang on to this thing because it's just going to keep coming. I mean, the waves are not going to slip. They're, we're in an exponential world. This stuff is getting better exponentially. Right? Just to add to that, Robert, so um, McKenzie recently re released a report saying something like 375 million people will need to swap job categories by, I think it was 2030, um, which is huge, right? Like if you really think about the impact of even generative AI on the creative uh, workforce. That being said, though, um, what a lot of people don't understand right now is artificial intelligence in organizations is trained off individuals and the individuals don't necessarily have to be engineers, data scientists. We actually need more subject matter experts in your domain. So if you're a salesperson, if you're a marketing specialist, if you're somebody that's worked in the automotive industry, for instance, right, all of these engines and all of these Models need to be trained of expertise from everything from data, annotation, entry-level people that are subject matter experts. But I think it's just really about two things. The first is corporate responsibility. So corporations need to be launching programs to cross-train, but to also um, offer entry-level roles that are applicable to people that can be trained, whether it's a data annotator, whether it's somebody that has a skill set coming out of university that could utilize that. And I think that needs to be spoken about more and there needs to be more government initiatives and there needs to be more enforcement around that piece. Um, the second component to it, obviously, is, um, yeah, it's important to do research, but if you're not curious and you're not asking questions and you're not putting your hand up to be retrained and you're not being proactive about it, you will be left behind. And I think it's up to each individual to kind of put themselves out there. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if that kind of helps anybody, yeah. but... I think it's one of those things we all need to be talking about it because it's no longer about the brainiac in the room. It's about us as a collective. And what I mean by that is we need every level of expertise to continue to train these engines and everybody can be a part of it. Um, you just have to have enough guts to, to put your hand up and say, hey, I want to come on the journey. And I think it's up to all of us to keep educating and to keep these doors open and to keep forums like this where people can come and learn and ask questions and interact. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a, it's a collective responsibility from all of us um, because, like you said, it's moving so quickly. Um, but, but that being said, there's the opportunity for us all to kind of come on the journey together. Totally agree. How much longer should we go? I'm getting a little tired, but uh, we have a couple more people to get in. Let's see what else we could cover about this AI topic. I think we chewed through quite a bit. Um, I don't know. Um, anybody have a question or a comment? Raise your hand and I'll pull you up. Um, I see a lot of people have requested, so I'll pull up Persephone. John. Hi, people. 
And before we do that, I'm just going to say bye real quick. Robert, thank you so much for having us. Thank you. It's almost 6 a.m. here in Dubai right now. So I'm going to pop over and try to get a little bit of sleep a couple hours before my next meeting. But uh, <laughs> yeah, getting sleep is important. I've got to go as well. Thank you so much to both of you. I think this was a really interesting conversation. I learned a lot. It's it's something that's going to be ongoing for a long time because this is just going to keep coming at us and, and we're going to have to discuss with this. Thanks so much for having us, Robert. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Thanks a lot, Robert. <laughs> Thanks. So, yeah, so let's uh, change gears. We're talking AI's effect on industries. Um, we did talk, somebody just said, I didn't hear you talk about autos. We We talked quite a bit about what AI is doing with autonomous cars. Soon we're going to have a car that you talk to and have a relationship with, right? And because of this kind of AI that we're seeing in chat GPT leading into virtual beings, and that's going to really change what you do inside a car, right? And so when when you're in an autonomous car, let's say five years from now or 10 years from now, what are you doing? Because the car's driving. You're sitting there for an hour while it drives you the same, you know, to a city center or something like that. No, you're going to be playing games or taking a class or interacting with the car in a new way. And Tesla's starting to show you that, right? They're putting entertainment in the vehicle. On some of their vehicles, they have entire Steam, so you can run any video game in, inside the video vehicle and YouTube and a web browser and all that is running in the car. And that's a hint because. All of that will be brought to us in, in some sort of augmented reality glasses someday, right? And we're going to be sitting in the car, interacting with the vehicle with glasses on. I'm, I'm pretty convinced of that after seeing the latest glasses that are coming in two or three years. So anybody uh, want to come up and add to this conversation or... Yeah, no, definitely. I didn't know if, I, if we could just jump in or, you know, we wanted us to do hand by hand. Yeah, jump in and just use first first, you know, and then we'll figure it out from next. Okay, because I don't get to talk about stuff like this often, and it, it's like got my brain pumping and going. My yeah. thing is, I see this going several different ways personally, and I have a theory that um that I've been working on, and I don't get to talk about it much, so. Please do. I'm curious, with this type of knowledge, you know how we have fanatics in our, just everywhere. With this type of knowledge, what will make people not think that this is, if you will, next level um, antichrist, anti-religion? And I'm only bringing that up because literally hearing everything you said sounds great. It will help disability people. Because I'm, I'm technically, I would be considered on the artistic spectrum as well. The so, pastor, I, I talked to a pastor of a major church in, in Texas this last week, and he was saying that he has a group of pastors that all meet on Zoom call and stuff like that. And they're all freaked out about this. And some are trying it, like, like writing their entire sermon on AI and not really being a, a, open with their flaw that they... A, a, their whole speech was just written, or much of it was. Um, so that leads to an ethical kind of thing. What's, what is, you know, what is needed in this world? 
of authenticity. <laughs> it's like, right. Whoa. No, no, no. Correct. Because like listening to you say it could pick you up and take you places or, or drop you off. That's basically like a service system. However, if you program AI with enough experience, like one of the ladies said, from different people, that then theoretically multiplies the brain by adding scenarios and increasing its capacity to learn quicker. Yeah. Yeah, you can learn about a topic pretty good. The The problem is there's some bullshit there, so you have to validate everything it's saying to you right now, right? Uh, and how do you validate it? I go over to Google and you get it. No, what, what if we have individual... What if yeah. we create our individual filters and our individual perceptions, right? So some people believe that there were dinosaurs and some people believe that there weren't dinosaurs. It's completely missing, literally missing from the history books and the science books in Kansas. It's not in Common Core. So my, yeah. what if you, what if you can... Iran, pers- she didn't learn about certain things. In the, in the the, world, exactly. Right? Exactly. Yep. And in Saudi Arabia, they're investing in self-driving cars because... They want their women to be able to be more independent. And at the same time, they don't want them to drive. I'm like, I, I, I'm having a hard time having this compute. This does not compute. Because in that sense, in that sense, they, I'm sorry, in that sense, they still have somewhat control. If they have the destination or they have the ability to track where it is that you're going and see what it is that you're doing. Right. Then by that, you still have the autonomy to move on your own and do what you're able to do for your body and, you know, just that and third, but they still have control of you know, destinations and locations mm-hmm. and all of that other personal stuff. It's hard to cut in, but... No. Hard like, to cheat with an autonomous car driver, right? <laughs> yeah, right? pretty much. But but, but then my, my, the question in my brain racks me with that, then why do you automatically assume that they're going to cheat? That's a whole different conversation. Well, that's sort of where your mind goes when you're talking about these topics, right? It's like, oh, what if, what does this mean? Am I being tracked by my family? Am I being, I'm already being tracked by my wife on my phone, right? And I'm tracking her. We're, we can see where each other is all the time. So uh, with, with this ingenious technology, do people take in consideration, I guess, the negative aspects that can come with that? We talk about it a lot uh, on Twitter spaces. I've been on many Twitter spaces in the last year, and uh, particularly with Zen and his spaces, and we talk about it all the time. There's a lot of downsides coming, um, particularly as we get closer to Neuralink, where we have wires in our brain. That leads to a whole bunch of issues about control, about what is free will? Do you have free will if you have wires on your brain? Really, you don't. Right. And so you, you start thinking about those things. Then I, it's funny. I, um, when I flew back from UK, I was, my seatmate was a, you, uh, AI safety researcher, like a really smart mathematician. He was doing advanced stuff for some billionaires and he freaked me out the whole ride home. He's like, he's like, oh yeah, we're, we're just thinking this thing's going to run away on us someday and do away with us. I'm like, what, what? He's like, well, already the AI is better at finding tumors than a surgeon in an X-ray. So someday won't the AI figure out the humans just aren't needed for that anymore and just do away with our job or do away with us? Skynet. That's, that is literally that's the, the down, question. Side. Yep. That's the question, <laughs> right? the Skynet question. At what time is it going to figure out that we are the problem? And Taylor Swift literally just made the song. It's me. I'm the problem. It's me. We're trying to solve all these things, and it's really us. 
to piggyback off of that, what was was. <laughs> like I said, he freaking the, out for ten hours. He's sitting. Next that's to me. that's the thing. That's the thing. I already knew that. It's just being able to to articulate it to say this in this space is what's kind of weighing on my 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 heart. But ultimately, though, the thing is, even amongst doing that, technically, you said something about um wires on the brain. Honestly, isn't that? Isn't that what your neural system is technically made of? Wires that conducts electricity? Yeah, I mean, your nerves are sort of technically wires, right? But I'm actually saying put an artificial thing on your brain, in your, in your but, head. I mean, if you get it, Parkinson's, for instance, and, you, and your hands are shaking so bad you can't hold a cup of water, you're going to go to your doctor and say, I can't, life is not enjoyable. Is there anything you can do for me? And he's going to say, yeah, we need to put a wire on your brain. They, they, I met the surgeons who do it. It costs $150,000. They put but it, it's a, a worth it down in your brain. It's very worth it. It's you can worth see it and it things. works. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. In, it's insanity. But, you so know, the, all of dinner these... With... Go ahead. Yeah. No, no, I was going to say all oh, of these things oh. are life improvement hacks that we actually already have the ability to do. We just have not made them scalable or affordable for the masses yet. But exactly. we can already do it. Yes. But it leads, once you start down the road of putting, like Neuralink, putting wires on your brains, um, it, it leads you to a whole bunch of new problems for humans. Because I, I watched a surgeon operate on a human. And the guy was awake, and the surgeon was probing his brain and mapping out the guy's brain. And he would touch a certain part of his brain, and the patient would raise his hand involuntarily. Right. That taught me if somebody has access to your brain, they can make you do things and you can't stop it. You, you, you literally can see your hand going up and down and you can't stop it. Did, right? did we not see the Fast and the Furious? Did we not see that they hacked the cars that were programmed so they had to go get the old school cars that had no computer programs that were unstoppable? Like we've mapped out all this stuff. We've been doing this science fiction for decades basically informing people this is what could happen kind of like star trek next generation with first contact and the and the the world wasn't ready yet so their warp technology scientist the best one she got to go off with star trek with the enterprise because otherwise her job was going to be killed because they weren't ready yet what have we been prepping for what is our government prepping us for that's coming next that we need to know maybe we're not ready i you i, I mean seriously science fiction it's no science fact, a lot of it. Yeah. So we just yeah. have to look I'm, at it like that and say whatever could happen can probably happen. It might already happen. Bingo. I mean, I, when I saw the first autonomous car at Stanford like 15 years ago, whenever it was, I thought I would never see it in my life. And now I have one in my garage. I mean, yeah, it's not completely done, but it's driving me around town, right? And so it, every day in my life is science fiction. I mean, if you told me as a child that every light in my house would have a computer in, underneath it, I would have thought you were insane because my dad's Apple II cost, you know, thousands of dollars and was a big damn thing. I couldn't imagine how, how does that get small enough to put underneath a light, you know? And yeah, now I have Philips Hue lights in my house and every single light in my house has a computer attached to it, right? I'm living in science fiction. My oven has a, a NVIDIA card. 
you put a toast in there and it says, oh, that's toast. That's nice. <laughs> it cooks it right. It, you don't have to set anything. Wait, your that's oven fine. has an AI that can determine yes. the proper toast. Yeah, yeah, you put a bagel in there, it cooks a bagel. If you put a piece of salmon in there, it cooks it says salmon. And, and this is a built-in oven or an oven that I can yeah, put yeah. No, on? No, no, this is, this is the June Oven Company, which now is owned by Weber Company, which makes your barbecues, right? I need that. I saw the I don't know what it is. I can cook, but I cannot make toast. I saw so the commercial for that. It's great. My wife. Uh, my wife was skeptical when she first got it, but now she's like, she tells all of her friends, it's like, it never burns my toast. <laughs> it does all sorts of other things, like makes pizza and, you know, I mean, they, they have a pizza kit and stuff like that. But yeah, you put it underneath, underneath the camera and it knows, oh, it's looking at pizza now. It'll cook it for eight minutes or whatever the time is. Right. And this is a product I've had it in my house for three years. Computer. I want to change, say changing everything in my life is AI, you know, I mean, it's crazy <laughs> how fast I'm this gonna, has happened. I'm going to say good night. This has been good so night. exceptionally fun. I adore you all. Please have me back next time. And Please. Robert, I love following you on all your Twitters and your Facebook because you are living in the house of the future. And I would say at least half the time you post something, I go, I need that. <laughs> so I you're try. like my favorite shopping channel. <laughs> there we go. I, th there that we thing go. makes some money, though. I, you know, Irina, I should do that. They're like home AI shopping channel. You know, <laughs> literally, if anything that you have is available on Amazon, you can do an Amazon Live channel, and everybody will go buy it. I, I had this one product. It was a flippy thingy that went from a flat screen TV to a mirror, and it would flip over. I got 14 million views, and I think I got like. 35,000 clicks to Amazon and a lot of sales. It made a lot of so money. I, so I met a founder of a company that's doing 3D scans of jewelry and Adidas shoes. He, he works for Adidas. And his company does the 3D scans, 3D models of shoes. Very high quality stuff. It's, I know it's coming. It's just not put together, you know, in an easy way that I can say, buy this and download this and then you'll have your shopping system future, you know? It, we're getting pieces and tastes, but what's coming is going to be crazy. I mean, once you get a camera and an AI computer on your face and with microphones, uh, Siri can know what you're looking at, what you're touching, what you're holding, what you're eating. And then temperature sensing, and if you're lying, that's always the fun one. There's a 3D sensor lighting up my face every 10 times a second. Mm -hmm. And it can tell a lot of things like that just by looking at my face. That's right. Micro expressions. Particularly and then... if somebody trains it on my tells, right? If we're playing mm -hmm. poker. Uh, oh, yeah. The system is looking for our tells because we all have fairly common tells, right? A system can tell me, hey, she's lying. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but I would change my bet, right? Mm-hmm. Well, just imagine wow. what the world would look like as you were navigating the world, knowing when someone's telling you the truth or someone's lying or someone's trying to manipulate you or someone's trying to be persuasive and use propaganda to change your view on something by not giving you all of the information. Would you not want all the information? I mean, I think at some point it's going to start allowing us to say, wait a minute, I'm actually sentient enough in my own humanity to make my own choices. I don't need you to filter out facts for me. 
how about you just give me all the facts and let me discern what I believe? That's why I hate the chat, the church lady. I understand why the church lady doesn't want to teach me how to build a pipe bomb, right? Um, but the church lady keeps you away from too many things and has too too strong a moralish tone, and it's a non-biased moralish tone. So, oh, that's why you got to tell her to behave differently. I I I literally yeah. have have her act as if some naughty stuff. I have her rewriting my my dating profiles for the G-rated sites all the way to the not G-rated sites, and it's quite hilarious. She gets really creative. It does write pretty good, doesn't it? I mean, you it, can feed it, it does, some writing. It does. I did. You feed it did, some but, writing and then tell it, hey, take this and make it a bio. Well, me. <laughs> yeah, no, for my writing. But you have to use Playground. You have to use the, the Playground version because you can't have it read a whole book. And I've written 10. So I really want it, if it's going to rewrite something of mine, I want it to rewrite it in my voice or update it. I have it updating things that I had written for reputation and... um small business and, and influencer and authority and stuff like that, that I'd written for web two. I want to increase it to web three for my, for one of my next books. And I had to teach it how I write so that it could update it more correctly. Bingo. And Talking I still earth. have to rewrite it, it when I'm done. It'll translate it to other English, uh, other languages too, or other style. Like, Hey, turn my writing into something Snoop Dogg would say. Right. Oh Yeah. It's crazy. But I'm not at the level of celebrity where I can say, please write this like Adrian Ashley. I can say, please wow. write this like Eminem, and it can. But I'm not, I'm not at that level yet. I could probably say, please write this like Robert Scoble. You're at that level. It's read all your you books. Have... It hasn't read all mine yet. Um, it, it's We're pretty good at the topics I cover. Hey. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, hey, uh, and I used to work at U of M and 15 years ago on a neurology <laughs> unit on surgeons would remove the skull, um, attach really probes to figure out where the focal point was, like, they had to map the brain. So that's something we've been for a long time. But I'd like to back a little bit on uh, discussion we had about automotive um, and the future of automotive. It seems to me that uh, in the future, we're going to have transportation as a service. Yes. Uh, service will be so superior that nobody will actually want to own a car because currently today, if you think about how inefficient and ineffective car ownership is and how costly it is, I mean, most of us have our cars sitting 90% of the time, but when you service with autonomous vehicles, you could order the vehicle you want to meet your needs. It could take you to a local uh, train station, bus station. They could have high speed rails. There'll be no real need to own any vehicles whatsoever. So I see Even if you own one, though, I mean, like I have a Toyota up front, I have a Tesla, right? I probably will keep those even as this starts happening. But yeah, Friday night, I want to go to uh, San Francisco with my wife and go you know, to a show or or something or right. up front. Their own vehicle. Um, they will if they choose to. But the thing is, the service is going to be so darn uh, superior and uh, less costly and also environmentally much more friendly because remember, if everybody's got, you know, two or three vehicles, I need a truck to pull my uh, trailer or boat. I need a, this kind of vehicle to go just running to the store. I need another type of vehicle for fitting eight passengers. You know, when you can just order what you want, get the service, um, nobody's going to want to go through an, at that expense. And I think you'll see that in the future, personal vehicles will be a thing of the past. And of course, autonomous vehicles will be a big part of that whole transportation service system. Yeah. I. You know, and I look forward to that day. 
Um, but uh, she also uh, was talking about the dangers of uh, AI. I, I suppose it's no different than any other technology we've experienced in the past. They said the same thing about the book. They said it about radio. They said yeah. it about television. Uh, the only difference is that this, this new technology, the rapid pace of change is so great that people won't be able to, to keep up. And uh, the bigger problem that I see with it is uh, whether or not it's going to serve all of humanity or whether it will work uh, as things work in our current ec economic system where the benefits are distributed to a handful of, uh, uh, you know, wealthy uh, billionaires and multinational uh, corporation owners, or whether it'll be distributed to the common good, um, all humanity. Unknown. Uh, there is a centralization of wealth coming with robots. That's scary, um, even for me. And I, I don't know how that's going to, Again, we need a policy, like a taxation policy for robots. So if your factory buys 100 robots, each robot has to pay something to a fund that will help people, you know, continue to live and buy things, right? Like food and housing, clothes, stuff like that, right? Well, I think the taxation would be like a, a system would be a Band-Aid on a, on a uh, cancer. Um, you know, the problem goes much deeper than that. It goes to the heart of our economic system. Which is essentially at, at the very base level, you've got two people exchanging uh, things. One is, and, and on one side of that equation, you've got a guy that wants to maximize profit. And on the other side, you've got a guy that wants to, you know, uh, reduce cost and, and, and serve his interests and save as much as possible. So there's conflict and tension right at the very base and the very heart. Yeah. And Socrates had said that basically uh, markets are antisocial. So when you think about an economic system and what it's supposed to do, the only thing it's, it, it does is it's, uh, it provides us uh, with the means of exchanging goods, uh, of accounting, and, um, you know, so, so exchanging goods, distributing goods, and, and, and accounting for all of that. That's what an economic system does. Basically, the one we have is unjust, it's unsustainable, it's inefficient, it's ineffective. And the manufacturing today, the way it works, is because of planned obsolescence, we could probably build a vehicle that would, you know, maybe go 5 million miles today. We might have the technology to do it, but no manufacturer is ever going to do that because they'd never have a repeat customer and they'd be out of business. So what they do is they build a basically trash uh, that they can plan on getting their customer to return to them so they can maintain their profit so they can survive, right? So yeah. the, the, the very system itself is the problem. It isn't anything to do with people. But now when we inject AI into this whole thing, and that gives some people more capability than others, and uh, you start talking about interfacing it with the brain, yeah, it gets to be a real scary thing. I think we have to, these are political considerations, and we're going to have to make sure that our, our current political system that's been captured by the, the uh, corporate ownership class um, and, and the mainstream media we basically have to, we Which have the same to, thing. Yeah. We have to unite to stop that because they're basically, uh, you know, you can see how divided our country is, our nation along every line, religious race, you name it. They'll, they're going to find a way to divide us. Yeah. When in reality, we have all the same common needs and interests, which is we're concerned about the health and well-being of our children, our families, our friends, our communities, and the whole nation. Yeah. Oh, so to the extent 
that we're divided, you're never going to cross that finish line and get there. So we have to take all the wedge issues that these people create, um, this captured, well, there's no, you know, there's no separation between the ownership class and government. I mean, uh, not a hair's breadth. Light couldn't even get through. So really it's one entity. And then there's, uh, so it's more of a class issue and there's those that have everything and those that, uh, you know, everything and have nothing and everything in between. Most of it uh, at the lower end where you've got, I think today something like 60% of the people are saying that they can't save for the future. Or it was closer to 70. So they're living on their pay day to day. And then you've got uh, 60% of the people who are, uh, or 50 to 60% who are having to make choices between paying utility bills, making their payments, or putting food on the table. So when you have that kind of uh, distribution of wealth, that's about as dangerous as it gets. And then, uh, and then, of course, you know, then there's the externality of uh, perpetual wars for profit. So if, you, if you're in a system that demands that you have profit and you're in a business of building bombs, you better blow them up. Because yeah. if you blow them up, you aren't going to be able to build new ones and, and survive as, you know, in the business. And so that, that explains the perpetual wars. And we know the destruction and damage to the environment and to humanity there. So the, and so now you add AI to it, it just speeds all that up. So the, the answer, it's, it's a political problem and the people have to take their common needs and they have to vote in accordance with that. And they have to basically remove the current structure, uh, completely political and economic because they won't survive if they don't. Yeah. It's, um, a lot of, a lot of problems are coming at us because of this technology. Um. And there's a lot of good on the other side too. It, it's been that way, all, you know, with all technology. All technology can, I mean, cars kill 40,000 people in America alone every year, right? That's a technology. That's a bad. Bad is tragic, right? Um, yeah, we all drive because of the good. So I have a feeling that as soon as you see enough value in these devices we keep talking about, they're coming. You got to wear one. Particularly if it's hooked up to stable diffusion and it's doing what the artist was doing to my eyes the other night. It's man, what's coming is crazy. Like LSD level crazy without having to drop acid. Right? It, here's one. Now anything that you, sounds like it's worth that. Ooh. Anything that you like can dream. It. Yeah, anything you can dream can become real, right? If you dream about building a factory of making jewelry, it can build it for you. Some, if you dream about, you know, having everything colorful around you, it can do that, right? I mean, what whatever you dream, it soon is gonna be able to be built pretty quick. If our economic system continues to survive, I don't think uh, anyone will be dreaming. I think it'll be more like a nightmare. Oh no! I think it'll be actually free fun. That depends oh, on who, that depends. That depends on who utilizes it. We got eight billion people on the earth, right? Eight billion yeah. people, and I think uh, half the wealth is owned by eight people. Mm -hmm. Well, yep, yep, and they're going to centralize more because, like, Bill Gates bought how much farmland around the world and he bought uh, part of John Deere. They're making robots. I mean, oh, I can see how this is going to work, right? See, what's interesting about what he was saying is 
power power has power has drawback. Yeah. This this conversation is great because it shows that you have you have a choice to utilize that power and how you're gonna do it. Are you gonna help everybody or are you only gonna help a selected few? Yeah. This does help you um join in on a lot of their parties. Right. Um I've been to many parties and they're pretty fun. Um augmented reality and AI is gonna be just as fun as anything they have. I mean, Linda Wyman in her house, she just built a beautiful house. She's a billionaire, has a quarter million dollar audio video system, right? What does she have that I don't have? A little bit better sound, a little bit more pixels on her screen. Soon I'm going to have both of those for $3,000. Now, interestingly enough, this is something that a lot of... Cheaper, right? Interestingly enough, this is something that a lot of people in the lower class do not experience. Yep. Going to a football game is going to be nice. I mean, that's what Irina is writing about right now is sports. And they've already put, like in Las Vegas Stadium, they have uh, cameras all the way around the stadium and they have 5G radios all the way around the stadium. They designed that so you would bring your phone and play new kinds of augmented reality games with everybody in the stadium. New things are possible, so we're, we're going to get a different experience. And plus, everybody at home can see the field in 3D. So my question is, how do you make this cost efficient for everybody? That's, that's what generative AI is so scary at. It reduces the cost of creating things, content, movies, TV shows, right? sporting arenas. Just, the football players are still real, but... It does a lot of other things around it. There's, if the co- here's one way to look at it. I was talking to Edward Saatchi the other night. He started a company called Fable Studios, which built, a, he was Oculus Story Studios. Uh, Zuckerberg invested tens of millions of dollars in his company. And he built a thing called Wolves on the Walls, which was a 3D environment where the child in the room came up to you and started handing you virtual flashlights and talking to you and stuff like that. That cost $15 million to build. Soon it's going to be a few thousand dollars because of generative AI is you're going to be able to create exactly what he created for a lot less money. Therefore you're going to see an explosion in creativity, which you're already seeing. Off of, art. off of whose blueprint and design? Um, out of your out of your head, right? If you want, if you want a movie in somebody's house where there's a child writing on the walls and telling secrets, that's the whole concept behind this story. No, no, no. no. When uh, I, I think I, I think I was confused when you said that the guy that you had that you were in a meeting with, he created this process. That yeah, he, he created he, a three D and uh, movie that you could be inside the movie. Right, and talking with a virtual being and handing the virtual being would hand you things. And uh, there was virtual cameras on in the environment, which I could pick up and take a picture of the virtual thing that was talking to me. Right. So it's a real mind of business. And um, that's why I got experience. confused. So if yeah. he if he patented it and it cost fifteen million, then why would it cost 
Because all of the 3D polygons you're seeing had to be hand-created by his team. He had 100 people working, making the 3D environment, making the virtual being do things, teaching it how to talk, stuff like that. That all comes for free with generative AI now, or it's really close to doing this in 3D. Right. In two years, you're going to have a 3D environment you talk to that does everything you tell it to do. Hey, take us to Taj Mahal. Boom, you're in Taj Mahal. Based off of his information, that's still theft in a way, but never mind. Well, that is the open question because uh, Getty Images sued St Stability AI for a trillion dollars of damages, which they won't. Um, they're suing because they said they stole all of our images to make their model, uh, which is now hallucinating art. That's, that's, there's a, two camps in this world. The one is pro a copyright and one is sort of, yeah, we don't care about copyright. I'm sort of in that route. But they do. My son is a biophysicist. They are using AI to design proteins these days. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, so we're talking about not just changing, you know, uh, we're talking about fundamentally changing humanity. Bingo. Bingo. Yes. Everything in your life is about to change. Everything. I mean, <clears throat> if you put a pair of glasses on, everything in your life is about to change. So why take them off, Robert? You won't. Well, um, I wear glasses already and I have shitty eyes. So if I take them off, so you won't. Every, <laughs> everything is blurry. If I take my glasses off, right. And I put them back on, I, oh, reality sharp again. So I don't ever take my glasses off except get in the shower kind of. Um, when, when's that? Once a month or something? <laughs> I'm cleaner than that, man. Come on. <laughs> just, just to. But, uh, ah. But you know what, though? It's an interesting question, though, because I started asking myself, well, if I'm wearing Apple pair of glasses and I don't want to take them off, what would get me to take them and put something else on, like a Tesla pair of glasses? And that's what led me to the car, right? It's like, oh, the Apple glasses won't talk to the vents in the car because in a Tesla, everything's computer controlled, right? But you have to pull up the Tesla app to turn on the AC system or something. In the future, Mr. you're just going to yeah. talk to the AI that's in the car, right? Hey, hey, Mr. A, I call my car Tes Mr. Tesla, turn down the heat, and it's too hot in here, right? Or, hey, Tesla, turn up the stereo to, like, level seven, right? I mean, we do this with our Alexas and our series already. It's just we can't have a really ongoing relationship with these things where it remembers what we talked about yesterday, right? And we can continue that, the conversation. That same Tesla. Yeah. Yeah. Putting war in Ukraine by with uh with uh, satellites in space spying out to keep a war going that was completely I uh I you know the genie's out of the bottle, it's not going back in, there's no doubt about that. But uh I can tell you that unless uh unless uh people can um start changing the way they feel about one another and stop blaming one another and start uniting in our common interest, if 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 people can't make that transfer uh transformation, then I don't think there is going to be an upside to this thing. I think it's going to be a complete disaster. And so it depends on each and every one of us to, you know, talk about this, spread the yep. word 
And, uh, you know, so that, that's the beauty of this conversation. And I love this group because, you know, it, it really is an opportunity for us to um, have an open discussion and share ideas. Here's one way, a crude way to look at it. You're going to be faced with a choice of basically watching porn all day long. Okay, watching cool cool art all over the place. Like it would be like going to Coachella all the time, Burning Man, all the time, virtual Burning Man. Very fun thing to do. But are you learning anything by doing that? Are you improving yourself by doing that? Yeah, a little bit, right? Now you have to work at making sure you eat some vegetables with the meal, right? If, if all you do is eat McDonald's every day, you're going to get sick pretty quick, right? Yeah, of course, yeah. And so I, I think your point is right on. Everybody's going to have to make a commitment to themselves to, to be curious about this world, right? And learn something new. I learned more about poetry by playing with ChatGPT because it's spitting back poetry. It's like, wow. And, and you can tell it different styles and teach me about poetry. I mean, it's crazy. And my wife is a, a English lit major from hell. And it's like, that's pretty cool. <laughs> right. And now we're hey, having Robert. a conversation. Yeah. Hey, Robert, I got, I got to just be a bit forceful here because I never know when you finish talking. And I think there's a bit no, of a no, delay. You got to jump. Yeah. It's like yeah. going gotta to get in. Jump, you, know, yeah. you got to elbow me. Uh, you know, it's like Karen Swisher. Give me a good elbow going into the, uh, into the door one time. <laughs> right. So, Robert, can I ask you what, two things? How do you say your surname? Is it Scoble or Scoble? Scoble. 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 S C O B L E. That's so, um, so the other thing was, um, you know, the, um, uh, the, you like Tesla's obviously, right? Yeah. Have you seen that startup, which has been putting in electricity, um, charging capabilities into the road? Yeah. That Israel. doesn't make sense. To, yeah. No, it doesn't. I agree. Mm. I agree. Right. And, and do you know what, um, I've been thinking about it the other day, the, uh, a lot, a, a lot lately right because it's been really bugging me i don't know what it's like where you live but over here you get like the the this the, the the water company digging it up then they put it back together the road that is yeah. and then the electricity company come and dig it up like a month later yeah and then you know is it the same over there oh yeah we got lots of puddles that's why you're gonna need a cybertruck <laughs> um so that if that didn't make sense to me but i what did make sense to me and I'm just talking out loud here as if it's like, you know, a few people here, right? So um, what about when you go, you pull up to a junction for a roundabout or any junction or any yeah. traffic light, why don't they build them in there? Because that does kind of make sense because it would be some charge while a car is parked or in, obviously. It's just not car needed parks. that way. I mean, um I plug in my, my car like an iPhone. So it's all, it's plugged in right now. It charges in the middle of the night, so it's always ready for me. And what's the what's the average number of miles a person does in, in a day? Average is like thirty miles. It's it's not even that high. The average is low. And so I have two hundred and something miles in my battery. So I never run out. If I do run out, I'm on a road trip. That's the only time I run out. Yeah, but that's so, exactly the, that's the point, though, isn't it? Because if you're going on a long road trip, you don't want to be stopping and starting yeah. all the time, do you? 
Truth is, anything. all right, so 250 miles is from here to Reno. That, that's a four-hour. Well, I don't know where you are, though. I'm in San Jose, California. So that's San a four-hour drive. By the time I get to Reno, I need to go to the bathroom or somebody in the car does. My, in fact, my wife has gone to the bathroom three times before I get to Reno. And, <laughs> right? and, and we've stopped <laughs> three times to get snacks or get some food because somebody's hungry. Right. If you have two boys, you know how that shit goes down. Right. And so even if you do get all the way to Reno, you're ready for a little walk. I mean, it only takes 20 minutes to go from, you know, 40 miles in your battery up back up to 250 if you're at the right kind of charger. So you need to to go to the bathroom. You need to get a sandwich. All right. By the time you did both of those things, your car's done, right? But here's here's the thing. And that doesn't take into account for traffic, nor does that take into account for people who have way more to do. But then what about when everybody's got these electric cars and there's a queue for using these things? There usually isn't on the road because... No, but not everyone's got an electric car yet, have they? Yeah, that's true. And they'll have to build, as more people get these electric cars, more charging stations are going to have to come. I don't know. The problem is, how do you make it reliable? And how do you get the high, high, because when you go to a supercharger where where you're charging your cars, there's a lot of equipment sitting that's uh, taking power off the grid, processing it, and putting it out to the 30 stations, high rate of speed. And there's a lot, there's big equipment. So are you going to have that big equipment at every street corner? No, it, do- it doesn't make sense. Well, well, well it no. doesn't make sense to me. Don't you, would need, you would need okay. renewable, sustainable energy in order to make that happen. From, yeah, we don't have an energy system to support the private ownership of all these electric vehicles. And then the, another question that I have about is, uh, what's the environmental impact of the batteries? Uh, pretty, pretty nasty if you live next to a, a lithium mine, right? So it's, not gets, perfect. Uh, it's not perfect. It's better in a lot of ways than a gas vehicle for a lot of reasons. It, it's not perfect. Uh, also, the electricity in, in Silicon Valley, my electricity, half of it comes from gas, a natural gas that they're burning. So it's putting carbon in the air. So it's not sustainable. Uh, bit, we we, we have a lot of problems to fix here. <laughs> right? We're just kind of like passing the buck a little bit, really. No, we're investing. Delaying. We, we, need, it. To, we need to change. Yeah. yeah true, do, does anybody yeah. want to change? Do you want to, you know, do you want to change? I don't change? drive. I don't drive. Do you so, want to pay um, for your neighbor to get a new battery in his garage or a piece of one, right? Well, thank he, you. he makes the grid more efficient, right? Oh. Resilient against uh, this kind of demand, right? Solar. Everyone needs solar, right? But but here's a question for you then, because but you've solar got Tesla, only during the day, so you need solar and a battery in your garage. But at the other half of the world, solar does work at nighttime. <laughs> it's different kind. <laughs> That's funny. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna shut up for a bit because um, I don't like the sound of my voice. So actually, actually, I'm kind of curious. Lunar panels? Do those exist? Lunar panel? There's not enough energy bouncing off the moon to get to get a panel charged the sun, the sun is spraying a lot of photons at us right it's, it's a nice source of energy that you can get for free by putting a panel out you know and collecting in fact all my little amazon you buy these ten dollar lights at amazon they all have a little solar cell on top and a battery 
And so they're, they're all lit up in my garden right now. Right. It's, it's cool. That thing with the solar system on your roof, you'd need to keep the energy around for the evening. And that requires you to have a $30,000. Well, the batteries I live is like an hour is around $30,000. To be right? that's way out of reach for most people. To be honest with you, uh, interesting theory of mine. If you actually use solar panel or so- solar panels or solar energy itself throughout the day, and the use of resources that we have to conduct electricity that we use throughout the day, throughout the night, you literally could cut a lot of that in half. Because if you're not utilizing whatever electricity we're using throughout the day, any business offices and homes or whatever the case may be, the problem is. Uh, all right, so a heat wave in, in Silicon Valley, it's hot all day long, but it really gets hot around four, five, six. That's when the sun starts going down. So your solar panels are collecting less energy than they used to be, but you're still uh, using a lot of power to uh, cool your house, right? And that's why there's a lot of strain on the grid at about six o'clock, seven o'clock. But in fact, they charge more. It, 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 I, I pay, pay more for my electricity between 4 and 9 p.m. because it's hard for PG&E to get power to me because they're having to, to spin up all that gas-fired shit to power the grid, right? If we all had batteries in our garage and we all had solar cells, we wouldn't need to talk to the grid at all. My, my house generates about 80% of my power, just the so- solar cells, right? It's because I can't keep that power around for when I really need it, which is in the middle of the night to charge my Tesla. Or that, well, that, that power wall thing. That's exactly a power wall is a battery that goes either on the wall. My friend has two of them, right? So that's about $40,000. Some of the rich people in town have 16 of them. They can keep a whole village running for a couple of weeks. Why do they need that? To have a whole village kept up for a couple of weeks because they have a whole. It's, it's a backup. It's a backup. It's basically like a backup generator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, also they make money with this, right? So now it's an asset that you could. Well, the the sells back to the. So grid, your solar it? cell grabs the power, stores mm-hmm. it in the battery, and then the battery can sell power back to the grid, right, and make you some money. So basically, worst case scenario, there was a citywide blackout there, but the only ones with power. Bingo. Yeah. And so you... our cars are going to be able to power your house too. If you have a Ford F-150 electronic or a Rivian, those have two-way power. So you can mm-hmm. uh, keep your refrigerator running even, you know, after a power out, a major power outage or something. It makes the grid more resilient. That's the way... Batteries make the grid more resilient. We need more batteries, but they're expensive. So how do we lower the cost? That's what Elon's trying to do. By well, technically, we could lower the cost by bringing factory work or industrial work back to the state and allowing people to actually learn how to rebuild these products. It would make the cost of Yeah, these more things effective. are all automated. They're made by robots, man. If you visit the Tesla factory, there's, there's a lot of humans building things, but the batteries are... Uh, Automated process. They're yeah. spitting out those cells yeah, mass out produced. of a machine. Mass-produced machine, right? Yeah, it doesn't bring a whole lot of jobs, unfortunately. The jobs are elsewhere. The job, the jobs you want are the electric engineer jobs, but that requires you to have a computer, you know, a, a technical degree, and that's hard for me. 
Okay. But is Tesla or solar city and Tesla can actually generate electricity from solar power. Why don't Tesla cars use solar power to charge itself during the day? So the four hour battery power can just reserve for the night. Cost benefit. Um, it costs too much to put solar material on the, the vehicle. It makes it less reliable. It looks like shit and somebody has to pay for that. And it just doesn't work. It just, I, I've seen these cars. They're just really lightweight, small cars with a solar cell. It, it just doesn't work very well. I, plus mine's sitting in my garage. So it's putting solar cells on mine is a waste of time, right? Yes. Uh, yeah, it does charge up in a parking lot somewhere, but that doesn't matter. I I keep telling you, my my solar cells on my house get me eighty percent of all the power I need. And if I bought another bank of solar cells, I'd have a hundred percent. If I if I was really rich, that's exactly what I would do. I would expand the solar on my roof to be a hundred percent, and I buy a couple yeah. batteries from my garage to store the power, so that the power that the power is there when I need it which is not when the sun is going, right? So it's a problem yeah. solar. Well, so, I, your, so your problem is renewable self-sustaining energy. Yeah. My or, problem is cost. We need to lower the cost. <laughs> and that's what the tech industry generally does, right? Uh, Steve Wozniak showed me a color printer in 1989 that cost $45,000. Today, a $70 <laughs> better, right? So the cost has gone down at a pretty constant rate and the capabilities has gotten better for that price. That's what the tech industry does. We need to apply that kind of thinking to the battery industry. How do we lower the cost of this? And Tesla's trying to do that. So are others because Ford's going to have to compete with Tesla, right? So they're trying to figure out how to get cheap batteries. And by the way, all the scalable though, Robert, you can't scale. What's that? You can't any of the power. Sorry, you're breaking up a little bit. Oh, I said can't scale to, to uh, the general public because it's unscalable, uh, whether you're talking solar. The only way we're going to get out of nuclear, and we've got cleaner nuclear plants we can build now for the grid. And then my dad was a nuclear engineer. We, I heard the, this at every dinner conversation. I was like, why the fuck are the environmentalists blocking nuclear? It's the only way forward. <laughs> but And this was back in the 70s, right? And it's like, ah, we... Well, Humans we don't like nuclear. It's scary to them. They don't, you know, and, and there's legit problems with it, right? Well, I mean, come a long way since the 70s in nuclear technology. Well, it's better and, and, and can't have a nuclear, uh, the kind of nuclear spill you had with the new technology. It'll shut down and you won't have a meltdown. That that's, uh, won't happen with new plants. But well, how do you convince people of that, right, that are freaked we got, out? Right? It's a real problem. Well, nuclear fission uh, is what we've got now. We need we need to invest heavily in nuclear fusion. It's the That's only way. And if and but the current uh, system, the way they're doing uh, solar, not, uh, it's not sustainable and will destroy the environment. It just it isn't going to work. It, and I I actually think in probably within ten to fifteen years, uh, Tesla will be a thing of the past. You probably won't even know who they are. They're they'll be like, uh, you know, like a Nash or a Rambler or something like that. You know. So um, <laughs> let's let's switch a little bit. Uh, Bill, I think you wanted to get involved here um, uh, about autonomous driving. It, come on, join in the conversation. It's sort of it's a free for all at the moment. Got to get me to shut up. Sorry. <laughs> come on up, Bill. 
Oh, okay. <clears throat> um, I'll jump in if you want to do something about autonomous driving. Why not? Yeah, what's <laughs> going listening. on? I've been having fun listening to the conversation tonight. Um, so, so yeah, so I, I like, Introduce I, I actually, by the way. oh yeah, sorry. Uh, my name's John. I go by Dr. Know-it-all on YouTube. So since you have seen that and I talk a lot about Tesla about autonomy and about AI stuff, and I actually have a master's in uh, artificial intelligence. So I actually That's do great. research in it. That's it. So yeah, I actually am down in the trenches some days, you know, just looking at neural networks and everything, but, um, I think autonomous driving is a really frustrating issue. I think for many of us, I heard Robert mentioning that many, many times and other people too, is that, you know, two, three, four years ago, Elon was promising us we'd be having robo taxis driving us around by next year and then next year and then next year. And I, my personal opinion is that the difference between that and what we see with something like chat GPT or Dolly or whatever is if you say, I want a picture of a robot flying a unicorn, you know, through the sky or something. And Dolly generates an image that isn't good. You're like, oh, that's funny. That was adorable. It didn't work right. If you tell full self-driving, you want to drive to the grocery store and it drives off the road, that's not funny at all. So but the problem is that the standard is so exceptionally high for driving that you can't have mistakes. And that's the reason why it has taken for bloody effort to get to this point. Now, Tesla is making incredible progress. And honestly, so are, you know, companies like Mobileye and, and Waze, Waymo and Cruise and, and, and stuff like that. So, you know, there are, uh, there are players doing this, but I think Tesla is making the most strides of everybody, but it is, the bar is not like almost good enough. It's like better than human good enough. Which, which is a pretty high bar. So anyway, I'll shut up and let other people no, yeah, say what they want to say to that. <laughs> you're right on point that you, you see this. Uh, people will let a human tragedy happen, but computer tragedy, oh my God, they didn't fall up in arms. Yeah. Well, I mean, just, just, look, at, just look at Teslas in general. How many gas tire fires are there every single day on highways? And yet if a Tesla burns, it's like national news. So yeah, Tesla does not get off the hook on anything. Yeah, that, and and that's to be expected with somebody pushing the boundaries so hard, right? He, in a way, he broke a lot of rules to get to the where he can, because he knew what AI was going to do. Knew he had to start early and right. start collecting the data and making promises to people. Like I bought FSD five years ago; it didn't do anything. Like is right, exactly. But the cool no, thing is, I mean, at least your car is updated. You didn't have to buy a new car, so that's awesome. Bingo. Yeah. I, yeah. And I knew yeah. this, right? I knew that, yeah, it would take years, but it, it would happen at least mostly. And we'll see if he can close the gap to where it's way That's Okay. I think that's going to happen in the next year. Okay. The thing with self-driving, the thing with self-driving is, if the AI, if all the cars on the road are AI controlled and they are interconnected, they communicate with, with each other, I don't see the chance of accidents happening. Yeah, but people, a uh, few hours or earlier in this conversation, they talked about people being scared or people not having the trust enough. And yeah, but I think that is not a major issue because so eventually, so, right? because people yeah. don't know that. Yeah. No, no, no. Here, when things are new, when things are new, they're always scary. But imagine your 10, 10 of your best friends came around and they're all the, you were, you're at all with your friend. Maybe you want to hang around on a Friday night. 
and your friend gets on the phone a few seconds and you back, you both, uh, all of you get back to laughter and then get dressed and walk out and there's a cab right at the door, at the gate rather. There's nobody, it's drove itself down there. You may not feel good about it at the moment, but if, if your friend is comfortable with it. So I think it's more about the crowd mentality. Once people start accepting it, and people like thought leaders, influencers, industry players, once they start giving it good credit, once people start saying that, yes, this can do what it says it can do, and once there's data to prove that this is actually better than human, accidents have reduced, it's friendly, it's, yeah, the user experience is good. I think people will come to accept it because eventually it is the future. There's a lot of steps even before that, though, because it's dramatically changing my rides. I, I'm not paying attention to the road a lot now. It's really. Uh, I'll, I'll pitch yes. and agree with that. I'm, yeah, it's, it's something where I, I call it monitoring now. I monitor yeah. the car. I don't drive the car anymore. Bingo. So I would like to, you I would like to definitely, something stupid. That's about it. You know? I would like to definitely propose a counter. The downside to that is that depending on who you piss off and depending on their level of intellect, when it comes to technology, your shit can be hacked. Yeah, well, I, I, that was the Mercedes answer that the engineers gave me that they're scared of being hacked. The, the system. No, no. It, is, it is extremely, yes, it's depending on the amount of power. Depending on the process of the output and the amount of technology you have available at the moment, you can hack just about anything. Okay, but, but here's the thing. Earlier in this chat, I asked ChatGPT about um, AI, how we can build AI systems on the blockchain. And according to ChatGPT, yes, it is possible to build decentralized AI on blockchain technology. And the decentralized and distributed nature of blockchain provides a secure and transparent platform for data storage, processing, and processing, which can be useful in building decentralized AI systems. I understand that this is a long stretch and it is difficult. It will require a lot of research and development and investment. But I think eventually we will get here where AI can be built on blockchain and there may be threads. Yes, there, there will always be threads. But I am more on the optimistic side that eventually it will be secure enough, at least as secure as most banking systems right now. When, yeah. I think more. I think more. What Tesla's done in, in the, there's AIs watching the AIs and it's hard to hack. You, you haven't seen yeah. a Tesla hack. Come on, every, every, every cool programmer wants to take down Tesla. So if they could figure out how to hack it, they would make a deal of, right? And, and probably get paid. Um, let, let me get some other people involved here because I invite definitely, definitely sorry. Oh, no problem. Um, Bill, are you there? Bill, Bill Sauter. Um, well, I don't know. Bill commented to me saying he's back and I want to get him involved, but I'll move on. Um, I think I invited up a few other people, uh, who are in the automotive industry. Um, Bill says he can't unmute. Why can't he unmute? Bill, I think you're going to need to jump out and then jump back in, maybe even on oh, Twitter. And oh, come. here we go. Good. Uh, good. Thank you. Robert, how are you? Long time to speak, my friend. Yeah, it's been a while. You bet. And I'm sorry I didn't get to say hello to uh, Tiarn and Brian and Martine and everybody. You got all my friends on uh, at speakers today. I just wanted to... Uh, weigh in a little bit on the autonomous driving thing. 
And um, I'm speaking from someone who was the lead investor and co-founder in 2021 of an AI-based company that is developing technology to enhance the safety of autonomous driving. So um, certainly a very interesting and turbulent industry. You know, we've seen Argo getting written off with a billion dollar, billion and a half dollars in investment. Um, there was a comment a little bit earlier, uh, and somebody didn't mention the buzzword, but basically it's V to V, you know, vehicle to vehicle communications. And, um, I haven't followed this in the last couple of months, but you know, you had four of the major, uh, car companies and entities that were lobbying the government for, uh, bandwidth to do V to V. And uh, the government, the FCC basically turned it down as being non-essential or something like that, which I find, uh, you know, disturbing and interesting because it certainly has a lot of potential in the same way that you were saying that uh, a Tesla vehicle can autonomously maneuver in Yellowstone. Um, it would certainly be very helpful if in the industry, if you could have localized vehicles giving feedback to each other without uh, needing uh, cellular communications or satellite or otherwise in order to do that. Yeah. Um, the That's other a hard that, one in Yellowstone because it's such a big place with mountains. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, certainly we're seeing, I think, generally in the industry that the jump from uh, level three to level four is a much bigger hurdle than a lot of these companies realized. Um, you have Elon being uh, definitive that he think uh, Tesla can do it solely with cameras. Uh, last year you had yeah. the CEO of Lumina on CNBC around the time they went public yeah. saying that he thought it would be impossible for any autonomous car company to achieve level four, let alone level five without LIDAR and radar and, um, uh, you know, probably just because of their installed base, you're hearing most of the complaints out there, including Wozniak very vocally in the press in the last couple of days, talking about his bad experiences with his Tesla. Yeah. Um, it, oh, I could tell you all, all the mistakes it makes on drives. Uh, right. No, I, I, I know, you know, and. Yet mobile most of which, by the way, are not unsafe mistakes. It's just too fucking slow. Right. <laughs> yet, yet mobile it behaves like a robot going through an intersection. Right. And you know, here here's Mobileye, you know, the yeah. Israeli founder. He's been doing this since 87 or 88. Yeah. They seem to keep trucking along and doing a a very good job, whether it be with 10 or 11 or 12 cameras or sensors out there. And uh, I don't hear about really any safety issues with them with their testing and Cruz and Waymo and, and these others doing well. <clears throat> uh, somebody talked about uh, uh, acceptance of autonomous out there. Well, the interesting thing is the receptivity to autonomous driving and robo-taxis is three times that in China that it is among the public than it is in the United States. Yeah. And, you know, there's potentially going to be more injuries and deaths and fatalities in China. 
say what you will about that, but um, it also means that they're probably going to accept it and adopt it and have a lot more widespread um, deployment than we do in the United States. So, I agree. Yeah. So that's kind of my, my two cents on a few points about it. It'll happen fairly fast here, too. I mean, are you going to buy an Uber for $80 retail or, uh, you know, something like a Tesla or a Cruise for around 20 bucks an hour retail? Most people will figure that out real quick. It's a bad thing. Yeah. Because your friends are going to tell you, why the fuck are you getting in an Uber? It costs 80 bucks. Buy, you know, get a Waze or right. get, a, get a Cruise or get a, you know, a Zooks or get a, a Tesla. Yeah, or whatever, right? Thanks, it's done. Right, but but Cruise and Waymo still seem to have the issues that uh, that that one of their cars gets thrown by a single orange cone. Yep, on a two-lane road, and the poor guy passenger in the in there gets stuck for forty minutes until yeah, until somebody can come out and fix it. That just can like just part in here. these people, right? Yep, Robert Scoble, yep. can I put in? You know. What do I, what about a way to phase it in where we start having like dual carriageways or multiple carriageways where they have a dedicated lane? No, that's just... not, that's not where the problems are. It's really good on the freeways. It really is amazing on the freeways. It's way better than you are. And it's it's anyway. the other things. It's the it's the temporary okay, barricade. Hang on a minute. It's, what it's about that... sorry, what about dual lane carriageways? which doesn't necessarily mean freeways uh, in, you know, the town center where I live. This Too much change is... for a government. So, I mean, that yeah, might yeah. happen yeah. down the road, but right now, people well, you know, you've really... got to piss or get off the pot, haven't you, really? You've got to do something because it's... it's not necessary. My car drives full time in all r r lanes. It does not need to be separated from humans at all. I know. I well, wasn't talking about separating that's... it from humans. So I was talking about separating it Oh, I thought you were talking from... about having a separate no? lane. Sorry. No, yes, but separate lane for so that people who haven't got uh, automated driving vehicles yet, because they they're still humans, right? Um, and you know, you, you the chances of uh, a Tesla crashing, or you know, or this new technology crashing, is probably going to be a human error of a non-automated car. Yeah. Yes. Running a, and generally so running a red light because you're drunk. Right. <laughs> I stopped doing that. I <laughs> I've met a few people at NAA meetings who killed people that way, right? Oh, and shit, just, really? I'm sorry. I was only kidding. It. I was only kidding. No, no. This <laughs> happens all every day, right? There's reasons that 40,000 people die in, in America and then 1.2 million people die around the world every fucking year because people drive drunk or they look at their phone or, you know, or they... Don't have enough sleep is another one. Bingo, right? That's yeah. what killed my high school friend. He fell asleep in a car and hit a, a concrete, a bun, a, you know, wall. So, um, you know, um, schools in in your, um, you know, over there across the pond, do they have like a, where children are, are around? Do they have like a lower speed limit? Oh yeah. If, if school is out, you can only go twenty five miles an hour, and generally you're going a. I pick up the kids twice a day or drop them off and then pick them up. And every time I do that, it's really slower on the kids because everybody's dropping the kids and letting them out and stuff. What's the equivalent of a village in uh, in the U.S.? What would you call that? 
small town or something? Yeah, it's a small town. I mean, there's everything from new stoplight in a town, right? I have a hundred residents or fifty residents, something like that, yeah, all cool. the way up to San Francisco, which is amazing. all right. So, so you know, I'm thinking about like you know these these what we call villages over here and these small places where cars drive through and there's a there's a through road, but you know this is like a community, but people have been driving seventy eight miles an hour and then they come in. And they should be reducing their speed to like 20 or 25, but they reduce it to like 50. They yeah. think that, you know, that's enough, but it's actually probably not. And I, I was thinking, why don't... I got a ticket know, in Texas because of this. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, uh, I was thinking, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be a smart idea to have like um, in, in such places, one or two of these autonomous cars just going around in a, like a loop that drive at like 20 miles an hour so that the on the, oh. the traffic that, yeah has silicon to valley forced. that's already happening with the te there's so many teslas here that um i'm noticing that people on autopilot are causing um the the traffic to change because it, like like let's say every i'm going 80 miles an hour on a freeway and there's an accident up ahead and all lanes are stopped right um my car does a pretty good job of seeing that and slowing down gradually into, you know, the, the car in front of it. Mm -hmm. If it has to do emergency braking, it does it smoothly over that small distance, right? It brakes hard, but it brakes consistently. It's really pretty. The, the guy, the team who wrote the algorithm, I, I think about braking all the time. It, it, it's pretty magical what they do. But it's yeah, changing yeah. the behavior behind me because... I know my car will never hit you in front of me. I'm worried about you hitting me. Hitting me, you so I'm, I'm putting on lights and I'm watching, are you slowing down? If you're not, if you're coming at me at 80 miles an hour, I'm Which trying to get out of your way, right? Mr. Scoble, if I've said it right, if you had a dedicated lane for these cars, you wouldn't have that worry. Uh, we're, we're just about... We're <laughs> just going to replace every car with a Tesla. In the, so in the next 10 years... <laughs> Yeah. And, and, and then, and then, um, how do we, uh, make people feel special like they do in Europe because they want alloy wheels and everything and they want to be different. So when every car's a Tesla, how do they make, uh, I've you know, been in reality glasses. But... <laughs> Seriously, you're going to no. dress up your car with stable diffusion someday if it survives. Watts, right. <laughs> I've got to find well, out more about the stable diffusion because it keeps coming up everywhere. Stable diffusion is an AI engine, a model. Yeah where they right. ingested 100,000 gigabytes of data, photos, videos, stuff like that. Built a model by running it through a bunch of NVIDIA cards in a data center. And it stick, spits out a two gigabyte model that you can run on your phone, right? That model, wow. then you can tell, talk to it and it'll spit things out to you. Photos and other things. It's cool. pretty amazing. It's it's really this is the generative AI technology we're talking about, right? I just found it here. Oh, yeah, yeah, web.com. And there's competitors, there's Midjourney, which makes better looking art, but Stable is blessed by Apple. And as if you're a developer, you like Stable because it's uh, more open source, more easier to integrate into your own things. Uh, and then there's Dolly as well. Yeah. So, and, and, and there's probably a dozen others, if not. And, uh, and on that note, Robert, I'm going to interrupt you and say goodnight because it's too late for me now. Good night. night. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Where are you joining us from, by the way? London, England. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, uh, we just started a little Twitter space and talk to people all over the world. 
Yeah, I know. It's crazy. <laughs> All right, guys. Have good fun. Cheers. Bye. Have a good night. Yeah, I'm going to take off too. I've been talking since, uh, what, three hours now. Um, went a little further than I was expecting. Um, Bill, do you have any anything to send us on our way? Me? I, I gave you my two cents. It was a uh, very interesting and informative talk, and I thank you for arranging it, Robert. Thanks. I've, I have some fr fun friends I've made over the years. <laughs> Indeed you have. Hey, Robert, I just want to say in case anybody gets too relaxed with FSD, just take a quick look at that seven second video I posted tonight. It just, oh, everybody keep an eye on it and don't, let's not have it taken off our cars because we're not paying attention. Oh, I'm paying attention for sure. I, and we're in a dangerous time because they're just about to ship a new architecture uh, in this version 11, they call it, Elon calls it. Um, and we don't yet know how, how good it is. So we have to watch the machine work and to make sure we're still a year from, you know, really going to sleep <laughs> on the phone. Well, let's, let, let's also not forget that the premise of autonomous driving is increasing human safety by removing human error and all of that. And it's, as most things do technologically, it takes longer than we expect. Yeah. Potentially, eventually going to happen. But the other problem is that people don't take into account are intangibles like black guys. Okay. And that is a major problem. And it's questionable whether we will ever get to that point um, because 70 to 80% of all of the accidents that occur globally on highways involve ice or black ice. And, um, you know, it's, it's not something that is easily solvable, even with the best technology. That's true. But, uh, tech, Audi took me on the ice and taught me to race on the ice with a race car driver. And, um. They, they start out by turning off all the traction control and you instantly spin the car. And then mm -hmm. they turn the computers on and you can't spin the car. Literally, right. you try to right. spin the car, you can't. Right. So right. the computers are fairly good at figuring out how oh. to break the tires so that you can't spin the car. Right. But unless um, you're talking okay. about literally trillions of dollars in detectors and sensors in the roads and otherwise. Oh, I don't think you need that with computer well, vision. Well, if you can see from all the cameras and build a 3D model, you know your slide. The computer knows well, it's sliding. Right? Robert, knows Robert, I, I speak from experience because I almost died in a black guy's accident headed to uh, Tahoe in 1988. And, and I was only going 50 miles an hour on Highway 50 when it happened. And, it's, uh, and this is something that... Studied in this company that I mentioned, and it is a very, very challenging problem to solve. You know, the ideal situation is you want to be able to tell a driver, you want to be able to alert them at least a hundred yards in advance. Black ice is approaching, slow down or pull over or something like that. And, um, nope. satellites, everything else, even with the imaging and otherwise that you've thermal imaging that you've got, it's, it's just not something that is 
uh, you know, uh, feasibly and fiscally achievable in the short term. How do you sense it's a black ice as a human being? Is it the feel in the steering wheel? Is it uh, losing control of the you're all of a sudden sliding? (laughs) There we go. Simple. You you don't know it until you've hit it. So when Elon took me in the first uh, test, he demonstrated that the uh, one advantage of electric motors is that they um, can turn on and off very quickly, and a computer is controlling. Sure. Because if if they didn't, the the electric motor that's in your te- in a Tesla or even any any electric motor is so high torque it would t- it would tear up your tires, mm-hmm. right? And uh, cause problems like traction control. You know, if your tires are spinning, uh, you have no traction. You you have no control of the car anymore. Um, he showed me how uh, you can press on the accelerator full one hundred percent, and the tires don't slip. And he said that's that's a very key thing about electric engines. They can they can really sense slip very very well. Now, can it solve all problems on black ice? Probably yeah, not, but perhaps but, that's true because the accident that I was in was years ago in a yeah internal combustion car. So, um, you know, didn't have traction control or anything like that. But um, the, you know, again, the the problem is by the time that you realize you're out of control, it's too late. Yeah. So. Well, it's never too late because. The computer can figure out your slipping way before you are. You can, yeah. right? But, but they can start doing things. So many that, it's the it's the angle, uh, you know, and the tilt of the road, and uh, and other things like that. So some aren't saveable, but some are right. Out of a hundred accidents, on let's say you ran a black ice patch and you studied it over and over again, you know. Um, some things, some things a computer is very, very compared to you. Sure. And so I, I would say out of a thousand accidents, a thousand things where you're losing control, the computer is going to save a lot. Maybe, maybe 30%, uh, I, right? That's 30% of people who don't have to die today. Right? I can, I can only speak from having literally read word for word, every single one of the published peer-reviewed papers on black ice that have come out over the last six or seven years that it's uh, it's not an easy thing to uh, to overcome. Can you see the black ice? Generally, you don't see it before you're on it. You, you, you don't. And it and it makes it even worse if you have if you've got an inch or two or more of new fallen snow. Yeah. Um, you know, even even if you had even if you happen to be lucky enough to have a satellite, um, you know, sort of in your grid that could look down on a road that was bare and tell you that it thought there was 40% probability of black ice within the next mile or two, yeah. um, you can't deal with the fact if it's occluded by fresh snow or something like that. So... Well, certainly, uh, this is why you want vehicle-to-vehicle communication, because the first guy slides into a tree, and it tells everybody oh, else, hey, it. there's black ice. <laughs> Absolutely. Else that, 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 is, that is like the single most critical 
V to V communication you can possibly imagine. So, well, well, um, we we're close to that. Um, we're close to that. Well, the, the Tesla is already all right. Here's here's one. I drive the same circuit every day to go pick up kids or drop them. And um, one day it it it, it uh, didn't go on the standard route. It took me off the route, and I was like, "What the hell?" Um, I forced it to stay on the, my usual route, and all of a sudden there was ten cop cars there. Right there was a police action, and it was trying to route me around the police action. So it it can do that, right? It, if if there's oh, yeah. a way to figure out there's black ice on the road, we can warn everybody to go around or to stop to go only 20 miles an hour, whatever the rule is to go through this ice. Well, I think that's you have to take over and drive yourself. That's probably the answer, by the way, because they'll be like, what? We can't do that shit. If you want to try, go ahead, but it's on you. (laughs) If you wreck your car and die because you decided to go drive through the ice. it'll, It'll just slow you. And you'll be like, why is it slowing? And then you'll, mm-hmm. and you'll realize, oh, shit, that's one. Interesting. You bet. Uh, well, Robert, Robert, I followed Robert, the salt to be truck. back in touch. I've got to run. Yeah, I follow the salt truck in Tahoe now because they try to keep salt on top of the ice. A little rock salt. There you go. You get some traction, right? So if you're following the truck with a plow, that's spraying the salt on the road because they they know where the ice is, and so they spray the, the road, and uh, then you have some traction because uh, you're the first one on the sand. Take care, y'all. Rob, right. good to talk. I've got to run. See you. Take care. Bye. Thank. Hey, yeah, definitely enjoyed the conversation. I do appreciate you bringing me up. I'll hop in next time. Thank you. I will do more. Irina and I have been talking about what to do, but we wanted to wait a little bit further into the year to really start them because the fun starts uh, whenever this Apple headset shows up in September, October. I'm looking forward to it. I apologize. Yeah, Thanksgiving dinner is going to be crazy. (laughs) We're all going to be sitting around eating turkey and putting on the headset and playing with stability, you know, stable diffusion. Doing some weird shit, and, you know, playing some mini golf maybe or something like that, or watching a movie. Definitely sounds like a good time. Yeah, Talk yeah, it's it's uh, consumer electronics is a fun industry, right? A lot of fun things coming, a lot of a lot of new toys coming for people, and a lot of change. So that's what we've been talking about today. So thanks for everybody for joining me and the other wonderful people, friends of mine. This was like a South by. I, I love Twitter Spaces because it is like South by Southwest. You yeah. walk around Sixth Street with a bunch of people who are cool uh, talking about some fun and education. It's a nice. It's a nice experience. It sure is. Go get some uh, barbecue with your friends and sit around and talk all day about the future. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the thing is, I think uh, it, uh, and the self-driving car is still in its infancy stage. This is like um, uh, cell phones uh, back in the Nokia, Motorola age. Yes. I think because eventually more players are coming in, more people, like there are people who have not even entered into the industry yet. People who are still in high school, people who are still in 
pre-high school who are going to come in and actually change the way people live and work. So I think AI has a long way to go. Yeah. I don't think we've explored 0.1% of its capabilities. And even with the way Tesla has, they may not be hitting their, what they promise, their promised milestone and doing what they do. But I think the way they've been going, since this is a, it's a new field, it's a new, it's the first time you're doing it, you're breaking grounds, you don't have anything to work on. So you have to find your own path, try like very rapidly, try new ideas, learn, try new ideas, learn, collect data, try again. So I think if we give Tesla two years from now, and like you said, your car is auto-updated, the software is auto-updated. I think if we give Tesla two years from now, the self-driving capability will be a lot, a lot better than it is now. It will be so much that yeah, people right now can't even imagine how the uh, how good the AI will be. It's going to be a lot better than it is now. We're about to get a major, major upgrade with virtual, right? It's been two months. Perfect. Since this has been working on, and from what I'm hearing, it's it's a pretty big step change. Is it going to be perfect? No, and we'll record that. And you know, and it gets better every two months. Yeah. Right? So how many more updates do you need before it's perfect? Not many. Well, well, six can do the trick. I think at least a good trick. Six can pull a good trick, which will take about a year. Well, I mean, it's already driving pretty good in a lot of places. I mean, it drives me all the way to Santa Cruz, which is a 40 minute drive and back without me touching the steering wheel. Okay, on a curvy but, road where uh, this is a road my mom and my brother wrecked their cars. Right? <laughs> so, <laughs> but it's not those a easy country drive. It's a fairly challenging drive for human beings. There's a lot of marks on the wall. There's walls on both sides of two lanes that are going to six on curves. Okay. Anyways, there's a lot to go on. Um, you just caused me to have a brain fart there. Um, yeah, that's a good place to end, I think. I we could go on there. Yeah. With this stuff. <laughs> Thanks for joining yeah, us. It's... It was a lot of fun. We'll do it again. I don't know. We haven't really thought about a schedule or anything. Uh we just do these once in a while when it all comes together. So yeah. someday we'll uh, do it really, but it's hard to yeah. do these right now. It really disrupts your life and sleep. I sometimes I do these things and stay up to like till three in the morning. Sometimes later. Yeah, right? so, yeah. It's possible that yeah, I'm not. Yeah. Anyways, thanks for this. I've learned a lot. Um, you know, the human behavior with these is going to be interesting, right? As we go into radical change, how how do humans accept it? How do humans change themselves? Or do, yeah. they, do they resist it? Like the question about churches was interesting earlier. I I bet there's going to be churches so, that say, no, you're not allowed to wear those and go to our church because that's talking to, to the devil, you know, talking, to some, <laughs> uh, talking to some other God. We want you to talk to our God, not, not some other. <laughs> well, well, being an African, I can relate to that. <laughs> right? There's going to be a lot of convincing moral panics as we go through so, oh my god i can't do that okay. i mean people do that to me already oh i would never wear four cameras in my house like seriously <laughs> seriously no okay okay i tell you this when tv came to nigeria there are a lot of pastors were against it said it was 
bad from the devil. Eventually, um, television became a thing and most of them now on TV channels. It's the same with social media, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. I think, here's what I think. The world is moving. We cannot stop it. It is, we can either catch along or fall behind. And the, the bad news is, if we don't catch along, it's our loss because many other people are willing to. So eventually, as the time moves, you catch up with time more, you get left behind. AI is here to stay. I think the way the, way the world will be 50 years from now, it, it will be more like a sci-fi movie, a, a real-life sci-fi movie. Yeah, like some two years from now, I think next year is going to be a sci-fi movie. <laughs> Seriously, if you, if you have the Apple headset or, or something like it, right? Uh, even a Quest 3 is going to be like yeah, a sci-fi movie. Because... With the rise of virtual reality, augmented reality, yeah. it's come, I was making research about uh, possible solutions, opportunities in virtual reality. And I realized that remote teams currently are not so connected as if they were working together. Because some they are scattered around the world and team bonding, like getting to know each other and spending a time together as a team, maybe usually uh, on launch or anything. If we can find a way to develop that in the remote workspace, it will be a great idea. And that's where virtual reality comes in because it can really let you, or virtual and augmented realities can let you meet your coworker who's on the other part of the world. And this is just one application of how uh, virtual reality could revolutionize the uh, remote workspace. Uh, there are a lot of other applications like AI, automatic driving cars, self-driving cars, I think will be the most common means of transportation because if people are going to own cars, it's going to be luxury cars. People want to own luxury cars for the fun of it, for the status and for the yeah. fun. But, but, for, but for regular uh, transportation, getting from place to place, getting like uh, someone said earlier, getting your laundry from verified you don't want to do that. Personally, I work and I don't like to go out. I work at home. I like it that way. Going yeah. to get in laundry, that's a lot of work. Or if I can have my food delivered to me and I don't have to pay uh, for transportation for the delivery company or the, the restaurant, because it could just be part of my monthly subscription for the service and my transportation, everything is covered for the month. I think, so why wouldn't I do that? Economically, it's just, it just makes sense. I, so, I just want to say hi to my friend Dave that I just saw, Dave Matthews. I'm going to stop this call, but Dave, I would love to talk to you because he, he's doing all sorts of beacons and he, he invented the Q-Cat. <laughs> Remember the Q-Cat? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's old school right there. If you remember the Q-Cat, you're a certain age in this industry now. <laughs> Dave, we're getting I, old, man. <laughs> well, I... I guess I'm still a baby. <laughs> it's global. Yeah. What's going uh, on, hey, buddy? Yeah, I know you want to get out of here, so I'll respect that. But um, I've got a podcast these days called What's Next Wall Street, and I'm a venture capitalist running a studio. So we're having fun after the QCAT. But what, what are you seeing out in the real world? Yeah. So, you know, what? we're going for a lot of of not home runs, but a lot of technology and medical and energy and efficiency and business operations. And if you guys want to take a look, we had 49 companies go through our program last year and that's at uh, 
softtech.com slash VS, S-O-F-T-E-Q.com slash VS. It's in my bio here. And I am loving it because I'm taking everything that I learned in California. And we are, we're in Houston, Texas with this fund. And we're uh, kicking ass in the Midwest. But I got to tell you, Scoble, I bought a, uh, a Model 3 with full self-drive, dual motor. I got a new little toy to play with because I'm always restoring old cars that run uh, dinosaur juice. But this, yeah. this full self-drive, I have it drive me around Houston. It, you know, it takes me on the Sunday drive. And it has the confidence of a 14-year-old boy who barely got his license. So um, I can't yeah. wait for V11, and uh, we'll see what happens then. Maybe it'll be 15 years old. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> and the next one will be 16 years old, and the next one will be 18, 19, 20, right? It, it, it's going to speed up soon. That's what AI does, right? Yeah, but remember, it always speeds remember up. Elon, though, he, he had the team you know, threw out all the old code and started a new, what was that, two years ago or a year and a half ago? Yeah. Yeah, to go to a, the new occupancy mo model, um, which is basically building a, a 3D scene around you in voxels and figuring out how to build a path through that. Which is pretty cool if you're watching the car's visualizer. You can see the pedestrians walking. You see the cones on the side yeah. of the road. It, it's pretty clever, but yeah. it's still like driving a video game, and uh, I'm not ready to, to give up my uh control of the wheel and if you notice like the guy in san francisco in the oakland tunnel when he was going over the bridge on the tunnel in treasure island yeah the driver said the car stopped abruptly which i gotta tell you i've had mine do that too so i, I kind of hover over that yeah. that gas pedal yeah the lawyers and they see something wrong and they st <laughs> you gotta be watching what? it's it's a dangerous time because it will make mistakes, and if you're not there to catch it, you're no. looking at a phone or drunk or something stupid. You're gonna have bad out. Yep. <laughs> it doesn't do well, that kind of scary stuff to me. It 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 does do that once in a while. So you got to watch for the really bad bad thing where it's gonna you know pull you into oncoming truck or something stupid like that. Mm -hmm. See. Most oh. of the time, it takes a turn a little rough or it's too slow. Um, sometimes it puts you in the wrong lane, you know, which I let it go. I, I'm like, okay, I'm going to watch what it does. And sometimes it can't get back in the real lane and it goes around and makes it three rights. Um, oh. But it, it has a lot of mistakes that it needs to fix. I mean, it's a lot better than it used to be. Yeah. But I think that you can take the focus off of uh, perfection and put it on progress. Well, that's what I'm saying. If you, if you have a thousand mistakes on a mile and then you get an update and it does 500 mistakes and then you two more months, yeah. 250 yeah. mistakes. <laughs> how many more have... updates do you need before it literally is perfect and has you no just flawless. But, but I was curious though, what's, what is the major challenge with Tesla? As in, I mean, how they are training their model. Is it, does the car need road experience or is it they, they don't have enough data to train the model or the model does not have experience on the road? What is the real challenge? When you um, have it driving, right, it's uh, driving along, 
if it makes a mistake, you get terrorized and you step on the brake or step on the uh, accelerator or grab the steering wheel away from the computer. You're always in control, right? If you're there, you are always able to, to take control of the car. But yeah. when you do that, the AI goes, oh, there, there was a mistake. Right? And if there's over time, it takes those mistakes and retrains some uh, what, how we started this call out is talking to AJ about the auto automatic systems. A lot yeah. of it can learn from itself, just from, from your it. behavior on the road. But once in a while, a human has to get in a simulator and say, this is what could have happened, right? And retrain the system and then that gets yeah. put into an update, you know, a month later, right? Okay. There's yeah, a lot of, and, and I'm shortening a lot of things, right? A yeah. lot of, a lot of working in the simulator a lot of thinking with teams and having meetings like what should the car should have done what what's the correct thing to do here but robert remember with an ai it's a black box and a lot of times you don't know what the decision tree was yeah but it it's funny because it does things exactly the same every time like like um i watch it take turns and it hits the exact same dot uh, uh, dot on the road every time hmm. i'm like Wow, it, it's fairly good at figuring out the path it wants to take and is fairly good at uh, seeing exactly the same data and making the exact same path every time. I think machines are good at following rules. Yeah, they're, they're also good at, like, if there's somebody in the road in front of you, it's really good at going off of that plan and figuring out a new plan around that, right? Yeah. But it's not yes. perfect. Today I went through some cones and it got half, I let it go and it got like 60% of the way through the cone thing that these guys, that uh, construction crew laid out. And it just slowed down and literally almost stopped. And I was like, there was nobody behind me. I was like, all right, you got to take over and make it go. It just, sometimes it just doesn't have the training to know it's what to do. Right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Which means, which means at the moment, the model la lacks data, lacks it, enough data. Yes. And on, on has no models. And, and, uh, and yeah. maybe they have the data, but the training system has it. Mm -hmm. I understand. It's like, I'm, I'm a marketer, I'm a digital marketer. You learn a lot of things in courses, but there are certain things you just have to learn via experience. Yes. Like there are certain things you can't think of until you're in that situation. I think that's the position the car, self-driving cars are in. They, they have a lot of predefined roles, but there are exceptions. There are unique cases that so could be I'm very factored. When, when somebody does train it to go through the cones properly, like Tesla yeah. really does a lot of effort to make, to make that work, it does it fleet wide. It's an exponential learning system. Learning. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So my friend in the high school died running across Prospect Road in front of the high school. And the next year they put a stoplight up at that intersection. That only improved that intersection. It didn't improve your life. The rest. Yeah. Right. But, in the but, future, that kind of uh, death will be the cause for retraining on that intersection. And it'll improve the entire fleet, no matter the entire system. That's what makes it powerful. Yes. That was the information I needed. If there are lots of more, uh, uh, Tesla cars on the road, and the more cars they get, the faster they can collect data. Bingo. And each of these, each of these collects 
unique set of data and they can collectively share the data between themselves and learn. One person can learn or one car can gather the information, the knowledge from a thousand other cars among, um, around the, the world, a thousand other cars that are in different countries. I think this is a very fast way to learn. And since this is happening, I think the systems are going to get, the learning curve is going to be exponential. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Yes, that's, that's why this is such an exciting period because a lot of this AI, not just cars, is getting exponentially better. And it's getting and it's also coming down in cost. And yeah, it's very expensive. Yes. But I can see, you know, in five years, it's gonna be a lot cheaper to do this stuff than it is today. So all of a sudden capabilities get added to the system, errors get fixed and yes. Anyways, I'm going to take off. I'm talked out, man. (laughs) All right. Love you all. Uh, Thanks for joining me. And uh, Dave, give me. I'll hit you up, buddy. All right. See you. All right. We'll we'll hope to see a bunch of you uh, of friends in here that I see at South by. I'm excited. I'm not going to South by, but I'll uh, be uh, watching you all eat barbecue. (laughs) Bye bye. (laughs) Love.